You are listening. We're gonna we're gonna leave that in there. You are listening to the Chompcast, the official podcast of Sword Chomp. And remember, you can always go to SwordChomp.com, oh. where you can access the many places our podcast is available for download. I was waiting for another one. Come on, give me one more. Eh. Ah, You're already over quota. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> eh. Eh, that's the other eh, one. Eh. That's how it's, that's how it starts off. Ah, ah, eh. Um, but if you're listening to the show right now, that means you found us. So welcome to the madness that is the Chompcast. You can also find us on Patreon if you want to support us that way. Patreon.com/swordchomp. Uh, look for our VIP tier. Um, despite all the Chompcasts that have come before this one, and all the podcasts that we will record after. This week's recording is sure to be a show that will truly stand the test of time. Josh's hatred for me isn't getting any smaller. Tinder isn't getting any smaller either. It's only growing by the day. And of course, Fish's micropenis couldn't possibly get any smaller. That's right. The topic of the show this week, we debate what is the single element that helps a game age well or stand the test of time, if you will. Is it a case-by-case basis kind of thing that helps games hold up, or is there some sort of secret sauce? Why do some games hold up over time and others don't? We're going to debate that with help from the Instagram community, so that's going to be fun. We have some timeless polls to discuss. Uh, Every Tuesday, we run polls on the Instagram page, at Swordchomp, and we discuss them on the podcast. Polls such as the Rotten Tomato Meter for the new film Venom, Tom Hardy's Venom, Uh, Telltale, that whole sad story of Telltale Games getting shut down, um, and uh, Telltale versus Heavy Rain, and uh, as far as influence goes, uh, and of course, uh, well, I said <laughs> I always said Telltale, two tails. Um, I see Josh on the see Josh on the webcam. I don't have my computer up like normal, so I have no idea what horrible things he's typed. Yeah, Telltale. Yeah, yeah Telltale. Telltale. God damn. Telltale. Um, it sounded good, and then I was like, no, that's wrong. Uh, but <laughs> we, we have a lot of, of, of cool topics to discuss on this week's Chompcast, but let's get to some intros. Um, Joshua Fowler joins us from Michigan. Uh, Josh, I have some good news. Um, mm. Are you ready for this? So I know we've got a vacation here. <laughs> we got a re- vacation here in a couple weeks, and you're coming up for the wedding. Uh, good news. I just found out that we're going to be able to charge all the wedding expenses to the uh, company credit card, a.k.a. Fish's credit card. Oh. How does that sound? I was planning on doing that anyway, but, I mean, thanks for uh-huh. letting them know. It's just- <laughs> yeah. um, I'll be sure to so- cancel that before I fly down there now. <laughs> uh, guys, I got bad news. I actually... Uh- I maxed out the card last night. I got all the premium memberships on Tinder and Bumble no. No. and no. OkCupid okay and Plenty of Fish. Ugh. I maxed out. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, wow. I mean, I I, can't I put stop off swiping. giving you that number for so long. You have it for 12 hours. Well. Fish, I told is... you not to give him the... Mm. Why? We talked to you about this. You don't give Shay the company credit card number. Uh, I know. Remember... Well, oh, at least it. it went to good use, though. 
I mean, did you well, at least buy yeah. the yearly subscription to save us 80% the on thing that? Is, That's true. Did you get the discount? Did you get the, the thing yearly is, <laughs> The thing is, I, I paid, I swiped through everyone, everyone, and I got like two matches. Oh, so everyone. And those are both Tom. You and one the of whole them is world? a bag of spinach. <laughs> I, I matched with a bag of spinach. How do you do that? You tell it's, me. I don't know. I think I'd bag of spinach doesn't sound I mean, that bad. Is that higher or lower than a couch? As I'm with far you as on we're that, concerned? Josh. Is bag of spinach above a couch or less than a couch? I, I mean, Popeye likes spinach. That's got to say something. Mm-hmm. Gives him biceps for days. It's true. Spinach. Um, Does well, it? you know. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's like good for one fight, actually. Yeah. yeah it's and one. also not biceps. Mm, no, it's biceps. It's true. It's forearms. Mm, no, he has big forearms, but when he, he and he has tiny biceps. Popeye fight! Popeye fight! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Why I oughta? God. <laughs> 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 Fish, can you just do that voice the rest of the podcast? I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. This intro did not go according to plan. <laughs> nope. Yeah. No, well, cat. the best thing, yeah. It's best to not have a plan. I've learned that. I learned that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Because you like to see how it spirals out of control in a beautiful way. No, but yes, that's going to be fun, Josh. Uh, We are closing in on that. Um, Glad you're here today to discuss that, among other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, Fish, I've already alluded to as well. We'll be supplying that credit card. Anthony Fisher is here from Texas. Hello. um, A.K.A. the Filipino Johnny Depp. So you might run into some issues, Fish, when you're down here. You might get a uh, call from your credit card company. I'd be like, we had, mm-hmm. you know, we're worried about your card, sir. Someone in Great Falls, Montana, just spent five hundred dollars at a local strip club. Should we cancel your card? You ever got one of those calls before? So, you gotta, you gotta have to be careful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I do get one of those calls, I'll uh, definitely press press charges. Get that money <laughs> back. Just, just press charges. Because I know it's yourself. not being spent right. It's probably just being flung. All willy nilly in that club. Yeah, you're frugal with your clubs. You know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> He's more of a make it drizzle sort of guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, well, I don't have cash, but here's a roll of pennies, and just rolls it onto the stage. Ouch! Oh, I thought just that, uh, clangs <laughs> against the pole. Uh, I was thinking that was be more painful. A roll of pennies just flinging around. Um, nah, he's not rude. No, he's not. He's not rude. No, I don't want to hurt any of them. God bless you, fish. All right, um, <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting trip. Your fish gonna be here in just about a week, and Josh a couple days later. So that's gonna be some. That's going to be a crazy week. I'll tell you what, we're going to have all sorts of top secret videos for the VIP and Instagram that we already got planned. So I'm just going to be pumping them out left and right. I may never have Josh and Fish in the same room ever again. Uh, so 
I don't know. That chemistry could be electric. Could be mm-hmm. explosive. You know, you know <laughs> what could, could actually happen is they may fall in love. Mm. Hey, Vish you know? is a single man. He's the Filipino Johnny mm-hmm. Depp. He works at Charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's be careful of Fish's charm, all right? <laughs> there will be more than one person coming out of that closet, if you know what I mean. No idea. No idea what you mean at all. That Thanks was a for being here, to Fish. You. Oh, 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 that's true. Oh, my podcast closet, that's right. Oh. Matter of fact, at some point, all three of us will be leaving this closet. So. <laughs> hand in hand. out together. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thanks for joining us, Fish, as usual, and look forward to seeing you. And of course, from Japan, Professor Layton is here, or as we call him before the show started, Matthew McConaughey. How are you doing, Shay? You know, just, uh, thinking about the podcast today, and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's kind of like a tumbleweed, where, uh, just enters your life, and you kind of stare at it, you're amazed that able to keep going as long as it has it's got all these branches all these interconnected parts and uh and it just keeps going on you watch it pass you by all right all right all right Beautiful. <laughs> I, I see an emmy in your future sir mm. what's you what's, the, what's the what's the one they get for like the worst perform a razzie the i razzie. see myself getting a razzie yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think they had to stop giving those out because Adam Sandler just took them home every year. So yeah, he's he's like, how many can I get? They, he's like they the just, LeBron yeah, James. They just gave him a Razzies. lifetime achievement award and disqualified him for the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah lifetime the rest of achievement award. Yeah. <laughs> true. Have you ever tried that, Shay? When you go on a date down there, just pretend like you're from Montana and talk like Matthew McConaughey the whole time forever. That'd oh, in amazing. Japan? Yeah, yeah. I sh- you know I have it and I should try that. Usually I do <laughs> I do my my signature other voice, mm. which is uh, what I was telling you guys about earlier on the show. <laughs> oh, you can't! You're not going to tease us with the. You're going to bring up the other voice. It's the sure, bad yeah. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, it's the bad Hulk Hogan. That's what it is. Yeah. Listen here, yeah. brother. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want that. That sounded no, way if I, worse than if, I thought it was going to. If I if I really try and make it sound like a bad Hulk Hogan, it al- it almost does. It's sort of yeah. like a psychological trick that Josh has implanted in my brain now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're glad you're here, Shay. A uh, lot to talk about this week, including Telltale, your favorite series. So I know you have a lot of thoughts on Telltale. Yes, I do. Telltale um, has really affected me. Uh, Telltale is unfortunately it's in murky waters right now. I don't know what Telltale is really doing right now. <laughs> uh, oh, it's got a hand. Um, and of course, I am Morgan Barnes from Montana, aka General Mountain Time. I told you guys I had a big announcement. I AKA wasn't fucking around. Mortar Man. Mortar. AKA no. Mortar Man. I don't know about Mortar Man. I don't know about that. Hey, we got our new nicknames. We got to go uh, with them. Um, 
speaking of which, I was thinking about this this week. I was like, maybe I'll relinquish Filipino Johnny Depp back to Fish for his private Instagram. And I was like, eh, I don't know. We'll talk about it later. No, but in all seriousness, I had a big announcement for you guys. I do not eat Oreos for breakfast anymore. I'm serious. No more Oreos. It's been a month now. Right. I've been Oreo free. I had wow. to. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm waiting, I just I'm waiting to hear I upgraded to Chips foot. Ahoy. Yeah. Chips Ahoy. Is... Yeah, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so I can no you. longer afford Oreos. I now eat the store brand. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Great value Oreos. <laughs> I, I would never sink that low. I have, <laughs> I have standards, Josh. Come on. One time, I'm pretty sure one time uh, we bought, Shel- oh. you know, my fiance bought me some of those just mm. because she was at Walmart and wanted to save money. And I, I'm pretty sure I just picked them up and put them in the trash. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Store brand sandwich cookies you dare are just to buy me these the vile O's mm-hmm. of chocolate. Yeah. I will not eat anything but the best chocolate O's for breakfast. You bitch. <laughs> well, almost. <laughs> Whoa. No, I found a I, trick. I, re- I replaced okay. them with uh, chocolate Teddy Grahams. Whole grain. Healthier. <laughs> there it is. There and it is. My daughter likes them, too, oh. because they're for kids. So. Come on, chocolate Teddy gra- Grahams are great. Come on, guys. All right, yeah, you cut out, you cut out the filling. So yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Whole grain. There's no whole grain in an Oreo, buddy. Was not. <laughs> Anyways, that's it's all about you know you you can't just go cold turkey. It's sort of like how smokers have to go to the patch or like vaping. Yeah, you can't just go cold turkey. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you just can't do it. Yeah, um, that would require willpower. That's true. <laughs> My willpower is and pride in oneself. Uh, uh, anyways, uh, great show today. Let's get right to it. Boom, boom, boom. Topic of the show. A lot of the, the cool thing I love about our podcast is a lot of the topics of the show are just sort of inspired by whatever's happening because. We have to have a new topic every weekend. We want it to be interesting. And when I was going back through Arkham Knight recently after Spider-Man, I started thinking, like, I'm really enjoying this game. Uh, and it's like three years old. You know what I mean? And which doesn't sound. <laughs> I know that sounds insane. Three years old isn't that, isn't that long. Uh, for me, it is apparently. But it got me thinking about, like, games. How. Let me try to phrase this the best way. What makes a game hold up well for each of us? Is there, like, one thing in particular, which is where I ask the community as well. Um, and like Josh said, am I a superficial slut and I just need top class visuals, (laughs) (laughs) which is is something we were worried about before this topic came up. Shay was worried that, you know, people would just be like, oh, well, if the visuals are dated, then of course the game's not going to hold up. But we wanted to really kind of get to the heart of this. So, uh, I have a pretty controversial answer and I'm going to save mine till the end because it's controversial and I want to do a radio tease, but. Josh, when you think about this topic for you, especially with, with retro games, it's such a vast topic, retro games, older games, maybe mm-hmm. games that are older that you never played, what is like the most important factor or factors for you as to whether they can hold up well over time? Um, I, I think what it kind of boils down to is just whether or not the game is good. Um, 
I mean, really, if a game was good, period, it was good when it was new. And I, I, I kind of think that a lot of times we look at it backwards. And, oh, all these games were good when they came out, and now they just don't hold up well. If they're not good now, they weren't good. Is kind of... Oh, wow. The way I see it. Um, so, so by that logic, Tomb Raider wouldn't be good, and I would be wrong. Quite possibly. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that they aren't important for one reason or another, but it's not... doesn't mean that they're good. Um, because I mean, most games that still hold up are are doing something. They're still doing something really, really well, even compared to games that are out now. Uh, so, so that's why they hold up. Yeah, well, that's a, that's an interestingly straightforward approach to this topic, Josh. If the game is truly good, it will hold up, bottom line. That's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's not so much that, I don't know, like, there are superficial things like visuals or, you know, just whoever has the prettiest new tech type things that can make a game entertaining while it's new, but that it's not enough to really make something actually great. Like, it's not going to hold up long-term. And if that's all that's going on there, and yeah, it may have been new and shiny, but I don't think it was good when it was new, if that's all I ever had going for it. It's kind of... It's at least the way I think about it, anyway. Yeah, that's an interesting take. Huh. Interesting take. Um, huh. What about you, Shay? Um, I disagree with josh and the reason being is for me i kind of relate it back to when i've read a book for a second or third time or i've watched a tv show for a second or third time and i found new things that i like or dislike about the show and part of that is due to just the experience in my life and where i'm at in my life um there have been times where i've you know watched or read something for the first time and i didn't like it and then I go back and I watch it again or I read it again and I end up liking it a lot. And that's due to maybe external or internal influences. And I think the same can be said about video games. That, you know, you play a game the first time and you absolutely just don't like it. It, do it just doesn't resonate with you. And then you play it again and you're like, well, actually this game isn't that bad. I kind of enjoyed this game. And I think that I think that's certainly a viable possibility in yeah. the realm in the realm of gaming and I get I get your point Josh though and like I somewhat agree with it in the sense of like if a game just like from a quality standpoint is bad early on and you still like it during that time even though you know it's kind of campy or bad and then you go to play it in the future and you're like wow this didn't hold up well, there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that perspective was, you know, kind of aligned with something different than what it is now. Maybe it was a little bit just blind to what, yeah. what the problems were in a game. So I, I, can, I can see, if that's the point you're trying to make, I guess I can agree with that, more or less. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't know. It's, that's... 
I can agree with that, uh, with parts of it anyway. With Obviously, your opinions on things are going to change. Um, so it, it's not like we're having a completely... None of this is completely objective. But certain yeah. games are... If they're good, they're going to hold up. And a lot of times, a lot of times it's the... A lot of times it's the story that does that because the story is interesting. The story still resonates after a long time. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a story can age poorly if it's something that's just really out of touch. And in that case, I mean, I'd, I'd argue it wasn't really that good to begin with, but you just you didn't realize how bad it was. Um, because I, I think yeah. there's a lot of room for not realizing that something sucks. I mean, if all the shovelware on the PS2 yeah. and the Wii are, you know, any evidence, if you've got a young market there, they won't realize your game is a is you know is a is a heap. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I. Uh, I. I like one game. I think of when I thought of this topic. I don't know why it popped into my head was Super Mario RPG. I bring that game up from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. I really like that game. And it's not the most visually arresting game, the most stunning graphics or anything. But in terms of mechanics, the game is solid. The sound, the sound, um, the audio, uh, what am I trying to say? Words. The <laughs> audio quality of the game is, the audio quality of the game is still pretty good. I mean, it's not obviously where it is nowadays uh but the visuals like they have a personality for the time they worked for what they were going for mm-hmm. and for me when i when i think about this topic i always hate hearing like i don't always i shouldn't i shouldn't use superlatives i it's often difficult for me to appreciate what someone is trying to say when they bring up visuals as the predominant mm-hmm. argument if it's unwarranted, like if there's like just straight buggy butthole graphics, sure, I can agree with you to an extent. But if it's if we're looking at something, um, for example, like Final Fantasy VII, where I've got I got into like a, a discussion with one of my old roommates about he, how he said he just couldn't play Final Fantasy VII because of the graphics. They're dated. They're old. For me, that at that point, that's like a lack of imagination in my mind, and it's it's fair if like anyone disagrees with this, um, but I feel like that's a lack of imagination because like you can go and read a book, like you can read Lord of the Rings that was written what seventy eighty years ago, and it's not that it doesn't like it stands the test of time. Why? Because you're using your imagination to fill in the blanks there. You're filling in the gaps. Uh, granted, J.R.R. Tolkien is an exceptional writer who is very descriptive, but you still fill in the blanks of what someone looks like if, you, if you've never seen the movies. You fill in those yeah. blanks. And to me, it's kind but, of the same with visuals to some degree. Someone is, granted, giving you their interpretation, but you can fill in the gaps, in my mind, to a degree. I, can, I, I agree with a sentiment, but not exactly the example. Just because I kind of feel like Final Fantasy VII was kind of ugly at the time. Like, they... 
and 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 I think it had to do with them trying to emulate their old Super Nintendo style. Um, they always had, you know, these little chibi-looking map characters, and they kind of wanted to stick with that style. Um, and so all the overworld models are like gigantic, gigantic heads, even for for anime, even for video games. You know, these little squat things with like five polygons because they were trying to recreate their older style instead of just doing what they could with the new capabilities. And okay. and so that looked ridiculous, whereas like the battle models, they looked pretty good. Like they obviously knew how to do something with with the polygons. Yeah, yeah. But well, and- yeah, right. And here's the tricky part, I would say, because Shay's more lenient on visuals. I've known him for a long time because he it's easier for him to see the charm. And, like, he will look for interpretation. He just told you he can take bad visuals and he can fill in the gaps in his mind. Mm-hmm. I think what's tricky about the book metaphor, though, which I think is interesting because I just like to – I think it's fun we get in these conversations and we can just be analytical about uh, where we're heading. And And when I think about a book – it's always been a book. A book will never be dated technically. You know what I mean? At one point, Final Fantasy VII was the best-looking game on the planet. You know what I mean? It wasn't a blank slate. A book is basically always going to be was. open. I don't think it ever was. I don't think Final Fantasy VII was ever the best-looking game. Like, even the year it came out, I, there was better-looking oh, stuff. Absolutely. Oh, well, but well, I mean, okay, think, it think was one the of the best-looking games. It was the pinnacle think about of the, the cutscenes. Yeah. I, I think that's what was the most impressive about that game is like you're saying the battle sequences yeah, the, and the mm-hmm. cutscenes. The cutscenes were for that time unparalleled. Like we had never seen anything like that in video games, which is part of the reason why Final Fantasy 7 become became such a phenomenon because what it did in terms of that, like those cutscenes were just unprecedented in gaming during that time. And yeah, I I, I could see I could see the case if you're just analyzing it as an overall package was it the most visually impressive i don't know i don't know i i didn't i didn't play all the games during that time it would require me to have an objective viewpoint which i can't but for me when that game came out during that time there was nothing else like it in terms of visual that's that's what i mean for me that's what i mean yeah a book is a blank slate. That's why it's a tough comparison. And here's the tricky part. That, that example for you, Shay, is still nostalgia, right? You can, you'll never be able to separate your own personal nostalgia. Have you ever tried to go back and play a game that you didn't play as a kid? That looks yeah. pretty dated now? Yeah. Super Mario RPG was actually one of those. I didn't play it until I was 23 years old. And that game left a huge impact on me. It was, mm. it was just one of those games that I'd never played, and I was like, damn. Actually, you know, it still holds up pretty well. Yeah. Uh, f- as, for the book, as for the book, I don't think all books stand the test of time, and I think this yeah. is what, what's going to go into the meat and potatoes of this discussion, because when something that is dated that doesn't hold up, a big part of that is social and political commentary. What it's trying to say if that's the if that's the subject matter of the particular art form if it's a book and it's trying to say something about just like social status or political status or anything regarding that and it's from 200 years ago yeah maybe some of it is going to be applicable now 
And then some of it is just going to be like, well, well, we don't, not all of us are farmers anymore. We don't have to really worry about that, you know, like being a predominant thing. For example, uh, you look at a video game, and granted, not all video games are about social or political happenings, but if you broaden the scope and you say what a video game is trying to say with its story, with its narrative, and sure, it resonated with you as a kid, but now as an adult, you don't have those same problems anymore, those same conundrums that you were faced with as a child. When you try and play that game, you can't resonate. That just doesn't resonate with you anymore because those aren't the daily things you think about anymore. So for us, when we were playing Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8, it was during a time when we were more angsty and young and we kind of had these preconceived notions about the world, like this, this grandeur of love and just heroism and stuff like that. Yeah. But maybe yeah. when, if, yeah, we, if we were to go back now, some of those things wouldn't resonate with us. Uh, you know, like some of the characters were like, oh man, they were badass when you were a kid, but then you go back and play them and they're like, and you're like, oh man, you have actually really fucking corny dialogue. How did I ever enjoy a single word that came out of your mouth? And I think that's a big part of it. It's just kind of like that narrative of what it's trying to say and how we resonate with it at a certain time in our lives. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Somebody left a comment on our, um, uh, someone left a comment on the Instagram page about, I think it was, I love him, Piché. And she was basically saying that she did not like Final Fantasy VIII because it was just basically about a bunch of brats. And I was like thinking about that. And I was like, you know what? I was like a military brat when I grew up. And maybe that's why that storyline resonated more with me when I was like 17 years old. And I grew up in military families. And like everyone in that game was sort of like these young adults, military. Um, like the themes of that game hit a little more home for me. And I was, so I started to think about the human element of a lot of people were saying, and we'll get to the comments in a little bit here. Fish, if you could actually do me a favor, I'm going to throw it to you in a second, but if you could pull those up, uh, as you know, my internet's down here, but if you could pull up the Instagram uh, comments, mm -hmm. I'd love for you to read those with us a little bit. Um, sure thing. I'm going to put you to work here. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, it's creepy sounding. <laughs> um, I got a lot of creepy laughs in the chamber. But the human element was something that people mentioned shining through. Some people said stories and whatnot. But like Shay was saying, if the story doesn't resonate from, from a perspective of today's world, maybe the story doesn't hold up. But if the characters, the human struggle could still resonate. Maybe you won't have the political topic uh, or whatever the farmers are going through, like you were saying, Shay, whatever you were bringing up there as an example, hypothetically, maybe that doesn't resonate now, but the characters, their personal strife and struggles, maybe that human element does. Mm -hmm. So the human element exactly. should carry on, I would think. Yeah. And yeah. That's you look at what... something like, Ant... oh, go ahead. Go well, ahead, Josh. I was kind of, I was going to bring this up before you, before you got there, but yeah, you kind of, you hit it. Um, I think things can resonate for more than one reason. And the, if going back to the book example, the books we still have that we still talk about from hundreds of years ago, aren't just one note sort of affairs. There's enough there that the world can change around them and they can still you know, still be applicable, still have something to say to you. Um, yes, and that's, yes. 
I mean, uh, that that's kind of my opinion on a video game story as well. Um, like, not everything is going to be read the same way. I mean, you go go back to Final Fantasy VII. There's some weird stuff in there. Some like really tone deaf, just awkward stuff. But as a whole, the story they're telling is still really impressive. There's still there's still a lot to to grab onto. Um, yeah, that because you know. the human, the hu- the humanity of the characters is mm-hmm. something that if you can relate to, should carry it through. What about what about you, Fish? When you think about this topic, um, which which direction are you heading? Um, I'm mostly with Josh. I agree with Josh as far as like good games because I was thinking, what games have I gone back to that I truly enjoy? And they've all been great games. Harold, as you know. Uh, great for their time and have aged well Um, and I can kind of agree with Shay as well though as far as like going back to those games like certain games just won't hold up uh, because of the narrative that they have or the story or even the graphics Um, but I'm not one to really revisit older games Um, pump them and dump them exactly that's my motto. Uh, <laughs> no, but I... I <laughs> put that on my tombstone, yeah. Get that embroidered on a pillow for you. <laughs> uh, Waifu pillow? But, but yeah. <laughs> oh, that's... Um, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, well, maybe, you know. Eh, maybe if it's fun. in cotton. If it's in kanji, yes. Mm. Why are you too embarrassed if someone will see it? (laughs) (laughs) Not everybody can read kanji. Yeah. No, but uh, that's true. Uh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Really like to throw me off on my thoughts here. (laughs) Um, But yeah, nostalgia really does play a big factor for me. Like... Every once in a while, I'll revisit Metal Gear Solid, just because it's it was one of those games that I played multiple playthroughs on. Like I actually did speed runs on Metal Gear against myself. Uh, it wasn't like anything against anything competitive or anything. It was just something that I would see how how much faster I could do the game, how quickly I could maneuver maneuver my character through all the different zones and do it efficiently. Um, and I enjoyed doing that as I played through it when I was in the height of, you know, first playing that game. Um, and then later on down the road, like, after playing, like, Metal Gear Solid 3, like, I wanted to revisit Metal Gear Solid because I felt a bit of nostalgia for that game and my memories of that game. Um, and, of course, the story that's kind of, like, arcing between all the series. So it, it was mainly just nostalgia that really brought me back to playing an older game. Um, even though, you know, I think Snake Eater came out in like 2004 or 2005. So it was only about five years old at that time, at least Metal Gear Solid was. Um, but still like it, it was from a different console. Um, but it's just cause you played Snake Eater and you're like, man, I want to play a good Metal Gear Solid game. I need to go <laughs> play it for it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I enjoyed Snake Eater, but, um, yeah, like I, I, there there were some core elements sort of missing, I guess. 
I kind of, I kind of miss the whole diet, dire, the cardinal direction that you could run Snake around. It felt more tactical mm-hmm. at, at that point instead of like the free roam that they gave you in um, Snake Eater. You were exposed, exposed yeah. to the world. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, no. that game. Um, Final okay, Fantasy. wait, wait. You're, you're kind of. I don't want to divert you because I think you're kind of. Mm-hmm. Not that you're rambling here, but I think you hit it on the head, sort of. Fish. I hate to agree with Fish on anything, honestly. Um, but I think this is one of those weird topics where we would agree on it because I, for me, it's nostalgia. That is the number one reason a game holds up for me. I got here's my here's my controversial statement that I I figured out about myself and it makes me feel very sad about myself. Okay, I was thinking about it this week. I have never gone back in time and played a game that I didn't play when it came out and really, really had a great time with it. And I don't know what that says about I me. Mean, there's a curiosity there. Like, let's say we were to go back and let's say I played Jumping Flash because me and Shay fight about Jumping Flash every day now. That's our new favorite game to fight about. Jumping Flash. <laughs> <laughs> let's, I'd probably, be, I'd probably like play it for an hour and be like, this is kind of cute. It's kind of cool to see where it came from. And then I, I would probably would not stick with it because I never have, right? And, and I was playing Arkham, um, Arkham Knight, and I'm just like, I'm talking to my fiance. I'm like, this is crazy. This game's like three years old, and I'm still in love with it. And I'm like, wait a second. It's still a PS4 game. It's uh-huh. still this generation. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, if it's nostalgia... There's so many things I can love about it, but and and music is maybe the one outlier for me because I'll play some games and I'm just like, oh, this JRPG does I don't like it at all. But the music is still great because music is music. But just as a whole, it's never happened to me. I didn't have experience like Shay had where he went back and played Super Mario RPG when he was 23 and still loved it. I, I wish I did. I mean, I'm I- I've just never had that happen, and. I don't know why. I, I feel like, it, well, I have a theory. I have one theory, and then we can get to some comments here, or you guys can make fun of me, whatever you want. My theory is that a lot of art, for me, is like... <laughs> <laughs> the timing there. Sorry, Morgan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? what did, I, did I miss something? No, it was just, yeah. Well, you said we can make fun of you. Oh, oh, He was gotcha. just getting a head okay. start. <laughs> a yeah, lot of art. <laughs> I, I take it back. It's all wrong. Um, it's sort of like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It's sort of like when someone creates something, it is a creation of everything in that artist's mind up until that point in time in their life. Every movie they've watched, every song they've listened to, everything that's influenced them as a person comes out in that creation. And then that creation influences other creation. So whenever I experience something, I can't, I can almost always feel very much the place and time and where that came from. And for some reason with video games, it's harder for me to go back and get anything out of it more than just this is an interesting curiosity. I don't really find that issue as much with films and stuff like that. Maybe because it's a passive genre, you can just sit back and watch a movie without any sort of like user input. And it's interesting. I, I don't know if if they're you know why that is the case with me, but I can I always feel that way. And nostalgia is the only thing that really helps a game hold up for me. Maybe one day it'll happen, but it hasn't yet. That's weird, right? That's that's kind of strange. It's it's more interesting because knowing you as long as I have. Um, the two things that you care about in like, in terms of art, like the two most things you care about are music and video game. Like you enjoy movies and you enjoy TV shows a lot, but I think, I think it's fair to say that you enjoy those two other things more. 
And <clears throat> for as long as I've known you, like I remember we used to get into heated discussions about music, about like older bands, <laughs> older musicians, and they just don't jive with you. Mm-hmm. And that's similar to what you're saying about video games. So I think for you, like you crave something newer. You crave something in your time frame, essentially, so you can relate to Yeah, it. it's like, yes. Yeah, it's like if I, I've, and that's one thing why you guys know this when we used to do the old podcast. If I have to experience something when it comes out, or as close to possible as that, otherwise I feel like I'm not getting it in the right mindset. And that's probably a problem with me. Problem is a strong word. It's just something about the way eh. my brain works. You know what I mean? I just, not a problem. I can feel- it's just a part of your personality. It's, yeah, it's who I, you are. Yes, and yes. I think, I think part of that too is, is in correlation with, um, knowing you as long as I have that just basically you want, you want to appreciate something while it's hot, while it's, I wouldn't say necessarily popular, but while it's at the height of its powers, I guess, at the height of its day, so to speak. Relevancy. Yeah. I would say exactly. that is most relevant. Exactly. Because it, it's weird though, because like then there are some other things that you will cling onto when it's past its relevancy, but it's because you, you found it to be like optimal for you when it was at that, at yes. that point, that high peak. So yes, you look yeah. at something like, and I, I'm not, please don't think I'm talking shit on it because I'm not like, you look at something like Tomb Raider, which I think its best days are behind it in terms of a series. And that's something that you still cling to. Or you look at something like Pokemon, which I think its best days are behind it. And that's something you still cling to. Or you look at some of the music that you like that, you, you know, you're pretty fervently a fan of that you still cling to and those bands best days are behind them. I think we all kind of do that to some degree. Well, that was just um, a fancy way of you saying nostalgia. What you're saying is nostalgia, is. right? I, I, I think it goes deeper than just nostalgia for you though. I think it's like, it's more along the lines of as for you as a person, you will select things <laughs> and you will appreciate them. Uh, if you discover them at the height of their powers. But if you didn't discover them at the height of their powers, at, the, at their most influential stage, then it's no longer important or relevant to you. And Well, I, you're close. Yeah, I, I hate to say it's, that because it makes It's interesting like because I think... Well, I, I don't think... I'm not saying you're an asshole. I'm just saying that's... I don't think no, I'm no, trying no. to paint yeah. you out to be like a dick. I'm saying it's just basically that's a part of your personality. That's who you are. And that's your yeah. choices, and that's okay. For me, it's, it's more along the lines of, like you said, <laughs> I, can, I can look uh, at like a game that's probably objectively shitty and try to find something good out of it, because I'm a little bit more lenient on some of that stuff, and yeah. I will try and fill in the gaps. And mm-hmm. like, there are definitely games that like, I'll go back to, and I know objectively, they're shitty. Like, or like, I'll play a game like an older game for the first time, and I know objectively it's shitty, but if it has a certain charm that resonates with me, I'll play it anyways, and I'll I'll find something to like about it. And mm-hmm. that's just that's how that's my personality. That's what makes me up. So like, I'll play a game that I know probably objectively is shitty, but I still find something to like about it, and then I end up liking it. And maybe that's for me. Maybe that is a character flaw: wasting my time on something. 
that I know objectively is not that great because I could be playing what's relevant now, so to speak. Like we all well, we all have different things about us. It's still wasting time. Like if it's new, nobody's found out it's shitty yet. So I mean that's really the only difference there. There is that. Or I was gonna joke with Shay, if it's objectively yeah. shitty but released recently then I'm all for trying to... Well, I think I think you hit it on it, though, in a big way, Shay. I think it's all about, for me, it's perspective. Like, I can compare it to the art around me, where I'm at as a person. Like, and and think about video games. How much have RPGs changed since Super Mario RPG dropped? You know, how much have they evolved? Like, a lot of games probably took influence from that game and tried to mm-hmm. learn from it, try to do it better. You know, like, our medium is very unique in that it evolves a lot because there's player interaction. You, you are, as the player have some so much input in in the game itself as opposed to maybe like a film so maybe that's a big part of it yeah i just you know uh i'd like <laughs> to think of it like a pool when you're there late at night and the moon's shining on the pool of water a lake as some would call it and uh there's just a bunch of fireflies and uh you know they're they're shining their light at each other and it's beautiful, and that light is so bright, but as soon as it goes out, you forget they even exist, man. And uh, I, think that's, I think that's kind of like video games, you know? Like, they're at their brightest, and uh, that light goes out, and we forget about them. But Interesting factoid, Matthew McConaughey, uh, did you know that the Firefly, the only reason they light up is to attract females? Yes, I did. Did you know that a... Uh, a dragonfly, a male dragonfly, has an appendage for when it's trying to mate with a woman to scoop out the sperm and semen that another male dragonfly ejaculates into it, scoops it out so it can inject its own. That's how competitive the male dragonflies are to copulate. Wow. That's, no, that's fascinating. Um, because, that's actually like, true. It just, that's true in all seriousness. No, it, <laughs> I, I when I heard about the firefly thing and like what you were saying, Shay, I was just like, man, the things that nature does to try to attract the other species for the sake of mating are just like the beautiful little insect that glows is all for the sake of attracting. That's a whole conversation for another day. But just I let, know, just think I know. about I that. Thinking, if you're listening to this. I know. I was like, I was like, we could really go on a tangent. Like, just could you imagine? Like, it would be a weird social experiment just to like. Take a bunch of humans, put them in like this, like micro city environment, and just like uh-huh. influence them to their primal sexual instincts, and just see what the hell happens. Like, no clothes. Watch humans food. devolve yeah. into these sexual. Did you somehow miss all of television for the early it's aughts? The, the real world, <laughs> seasons one through ten. Yeah. That's- <laughs> well, you know what? Fish is kind of like the if if you ever come across fish in a dark room, he's sort of like the firefly, but it's his vape rig that's actually glowing in the darkness. Um, but it's the same purpose, right? Fish to attract the females. Mm-hmm. That's right. The Only big reason I club. vape. <laughs> Nothing. All right, that's right. Um. Anyways, that was a random tangent that I thought was pretty interesting. But uh, thank there you are for that. four lights. <laughs> You need a glowier vape rig, fish, and then you'll attract all the pretty dragonflies. It's true, um, it's true. and all the Cardassians. 
Sorry. Uh, you know, I almost made a bad joke, Shay, because you were telling us that thing as Matthew and you were like talking about how dragonflies mate with women, but you didn't say women dragonflies, and I was just like, <laughs> it just got real <laughs> This is a little like, weird. I, was I like, think wow, I saw but... an anime like that once. <laughs> oh god. Um anyways. Uh Fish, I hope you can pull up some comments because I'd love to read what the listeners read a bunch of them. Okay, especially if you see some names you've never mm-hmm. seen before. Um, okay, we every Thursday at Swordchomp on Instagram, we have a conversation with the community on the podcast for the topic of the show. And uh, what do they have to say? Uh John John Six says, "I hate saying case by case because it feels like a cop out." I feel like it depends on what the goal is. If it's a narrative-focused game, then the writing and storytelling needs to hold up. I can I can forgive poor visual fidelity. If story isn't that important, then for me, the gameplay and mechanics have to. For me, I guess the visuals don't matter if one or both of these hold up. Um, and I can agree with that. Because um, a lot of times, like, if something... If a story like story was Wow, fish, excellent point. I hope we can <laughs> wish we could put the Skype audio in. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, that one. have you ever actually gone back and enjoyed an older game that you never played before fish has that ever happened to you Mm, or are you just like me very rarely give me an example one in the same uh i i gave you one which was metal gear solid but you played that before oh going back to a game that i never played yeah it's an older game but you had never played it you were like uh, no nostalgia. That's tough. Um, no nostalgia. Metroid Prime. Uh, Metroid Prime, and you played that pretty close. That was when the Wii was out. You can make a case that was basically okay. Anyway, I'm just curious. It's it's interesting. Um, all right, so maybe somebody else should read the Instagram comments because Fish sounds like he's a robot. Shay said he'll read them. We're gonna let Shay pull those up here while we stall. Um, yeah, see, fish, <laughs> fish is, <laughs> fish is, uh, he's doing the podcast closet like me. But you know, you know what's sad? I'm the one here that doesn't have internet in my entire city. I'm using the data on my phone, and fish is the one whose internet is totally shitting the bed here. Huh. Oh, humble brag. Oh, I've got good internet <laughs> on my phone. Who? I don't. I'm just. I'm just cursed myself. Uh, I can't believe my whole my whole entire city. That's no joke. Um, does not have internet right now. If you use the one major provider that we have, so that's fair. Uh, all right, all right, all right. I'll take over from here. Okay. Sorry about your internet, we'll see you. though. We'll see and I'm sorry to fish about his internet. Alrighty. So, uh, <laughs> Troy Goto said, "I think graphics games like 007 Goldeneye." I used to love and play nonstop. Now I can barely play for 15 minutes because it looks so bad and gives me a headache. And 
it's hard to disagree with him because I think, you know, that's that's a shooting game. It's it's so dependent on quick movement and precise, you know, accuracy that I kind of feel like that one does make sense in terms of graphics. <laughs> no story in Goldeneye, that's for sure. <laughs> no, yeah. the human element in Goldeneye is noting. a little bit lacking. Yeah, the I mean, human, but that's the another element. one though. Like, even at the time, the single player campaign was awful. Like, yes. you were only yes, ever there was, to yeah. play with your friends. Well, that's what I'm saying. The human element was your friend that you were yelling yeah. at, and in so your room. It, like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like there's no reason to go back to play Goldeneye unless you're bringing a friend with you or three of them to, you know, just be able to like yell at each other over and you all have nostalgia shooting. Yeah, I don't th- it, even need intent- the nostalgia. Like, well, if you just had friends there to play some well, Goldeneye, that, it would be drastically different than sitting down and trying to play Goldeneye by yourself, because that campaign is atrocious. Well, but even the way Goldeneye controls is so weird now. It's like that old-style control where, like, you had to, like, hold the shoulder button to, like, move your aim. It's just, it was weird, man. You know, it was pre, pre-Halo, before Halo kind of changed the console game. Um, I know PC shooters were ahead of the game. Anyways, that's that's a tough example because it was a party game and it was a perfect example of video games at that time and they evolved past it. So yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. That's I think tough. so too. I think so too. Uh we got Brando Mako. He said quantity and multiplayer. Destiny like almost well, the first destiny. So he's basically what I think he's saying is it, it stands the test of time with uh, multiplayer. And to me, that's a weird example because then like certain multiplayers, obviously the support for them get shut down over time. Um, I, You know, maybe he's just interesting. I mean, the Destiny is still kind of this generation. So, I mean, it was PS3 and, and Xbox 360 technically. But it immediately yeah. no, I think it was. Did it launch on both? I think it was this generation. I think it was a simultaneous launch where they did both the PS3 mm-hmm. and the PS4 launched at the same time, if I remember right. They which did, which was yes. kind of cool. So, no offense, but that's this generation, but interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much to say about that. Daniel of DC said, I think it comes down to the controller specifically. It's tough to play classic games if huh. the hardware doesn't feel right. I have tried playing NES classics with the Switch's Joy-Cons, but boy, does that feel bad. Also, touch controls are great for tactical or strategic games, but not so much for action games. Bad controllers can also affect contemporary games, no matter how great the games are. I'm a diamond rank player in Rocket League. Ooh, look at you. With a DS4 (laughs) controller. I'm just kidding. I know, I know. Hell no, I'm kidding. And if he doesn't, I'm sorry, Daniel of DC. Give me Joy-Cons and I suddenly play like a trash silver player. See the pattern? The Joy-Cons are $50 garbage. So <laughs> that whole comment, wow. that was a joyride. Well, I agree, I agree with him. I think the Joy-Cons are garbage, but that's not my larger point. They're not really made for super serious gaming. You'd want to get a pro controller for that. So, Right. Um, but I think, but I think interesting he has a general, perspective, though. I think he has a general point. Like, if you try and go play go back and play a bunch of those N64 games, especially never having played them or having not played them for a long time and holding that controller again. Yeah. That's god awful. Yeah, bad. yeah. That controller was yeah. just 
Yeah. And again, that goes to my point of what I was saying earlier, where video games are always learning and evolving from the games that come before it, especially in our industry. So how many controllers learn from the Nintendo 64 controller? I know there's a lot of people out there that still love that thing, and I think that's partially nostalgia. And it does, like, that controller did feel good, but it wasn't practical. Yeah, they they got overzealous with the whole, oh, we can use different grips for different games. And no, like what that essentially does is lock off half your buttons. You have to you have to pick one is kind of what yeah. it ended up doing. So, but the the major upside to that controller was that it was analog right out of the box. So your, you know, N64 games were able to have a lot more fine control than they could expect you to have on the PS1. And, oh, yeah, and that, the PS1 launched with the D-pad. Yeah, it launched the D-pad, of, yeah. and even most of the games that came out at the end of the system, you could still turn off the analog stick. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, true. Yeah, and that's something that has not, like, obviously analog sticks completely won that, you know, that argument was was decided instantly um, with every well, system and going one forward. Last, one little quick blip, too. Like, back then, video game systems were almost considered a toy. I hate to say it, but they had that stigma about them. And, you know, nowadays, because of how many people stream them and adults play video games and, like, they're designing all these sleek-ass systems and they're very adult and mature. Back then, it was just this big, goofy-ass, like, bright-colored controller because the majority of their audience was, like, young kids and teenagers. So, but that was the device I think that you're you forgetting the 90s. Everything looked like that back then. Well, I agree. No, but that's my point, though, is that whenever you try to go back and play that, you now go back and play with a what feels kind of like a weird toy of a controller. Mm-hmm. So, but that was that was what we had. Anyways, it's interesting. Yeah, that's true. I know my new Spider-Man PS4 with the sweet ass Spider-Man logo on the controller <laughs> makes me definitely feel like an adult. Mm-hmm. Well. No, I'm just kidding. Look, uh, I know a lot of people love that, that Spider-Man PS4. <laughs> no, it looks cool. It looks cool. It wasn't a slam on that. I was just Does joking. Does it though? Uh, all right, Cap, Captain Hawk. Yes, Captain Hawk. Story. It's all about story. Can they captivate you and keep you playing? Do they have memorable characters? That is one we definitely didn't touch on. Is the characters? I think characters are a huge proponent of does a game hold up you look at like i don't even like the series at all but you look at snake he is iconic and that is a character that has stood the test of time through the years because he is memorable in what he does you look at a lot of the final fantasy characters um i feel like a big part of which game is your favorite is the characters and do they resonate with you um, for me, Saga Frontier is such a big game because of the characters you find in that game and how all their stories kind of interconnect. Uh, Shining Force is another big game for me because of characters. Characters are a huge thing. I'm surprised we didn't even touch upon that. Well, I think one interesting element of that, Touche, is that, and I'm going to play Devil's Advocate for myself and all of our listeners, is that 
If you're playing a game at the top of its form like Final Fantasy VII, there might be a chance that because that game looks so good, you might forgive some of the questionable dialogue <laughs> and decisions. Like, there's a lot of games I can think of where I'm just, like, so in awe of everything about it that I might be a little lenient toward the characters, like Metal Gear Solid. Snake, yes, he's a beloved character. He's a classic. Metal Gear Solid is a classic, but that game was so incredible at the time that it, it, if you were to really look at Snake as a character, he's just sort of this silly, gruff, like, warrior. So I, I don't know. I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's true. No, you're right. You're right. You look at something that we talked about that ended up being our game of the year two years ago, Uncharted 4. I think we all agreed that the dialogue in that game could have been better. It was definitely a little corny at times. Um, there are times where it was real too. Like we've talked about the relationship between Nathan Drake um, and his significant other. That that was interesting. That was a more real moment. But like there are other times where the dialogue was just like a corny action one-liner. Yeah, <laughs> it was just that shit. And yeah. but we accepted it because the game was what it was doing visually uh, in terms of no load screens mechanically. It was incredibly impressive it is still a phenomenal game i would love to go back and play that game but i guarantee you we're going to look back in 10 years 15 years and be like that dialogue was just could have been a lot better at the end of the day yeah so yeah I, two, I uncharted 4 is not even going to be that yeah yeah i agree yeah um let's see I'm trying to i'm trying to find a one that isn't talking about a lot of them said case by case Cole Hundley said, as a kid, if the game had clunky controls, I would just consider it a really hard game and put the game back because I didn't know any better. If I go back, I realize they were just limited by the times they were in. However, pertaining to graphics, if something was revolutionary for its time, Final Fantasy VII, Josh, I considered it a particular style and accepted it for what it was. If a game is just piggybacking <laughs> off another game's graphical prowess and still felt a little lacking, I don't believe it will hold up. Cartoonish graphics, I believe, hold up much better, like Nino Cooney. Interesting. How do you guys feel? There are safer art styles. There are safer art styles that do, like Wind Waker's art style. There are certain art styles that are more transcendent. Anything that's more polygonal or something like that does have a higher chance of obviously degrading over time. I mean, yeah, a, a great art style can definitely stand the test of time. Yeah. That's, That's why true. a lot of Super Nintendo games get a little more slack. It's because of the limitations of that system, the, the way the games looked hold, seems to hold up a lot better over time because eh, a lot of it looks... No. There's some shitty-looking SNES games. Of course, of course. I'm a just saying... A ton of them. Like, it's... I, there's, there's still a lot of crap there. It's just people... It's been gone long enough that people don't remember there was so much crap. Is kind of, I mean, it's kind of like we were mentioning with the books before. Nobody remembers the crappy stuff that nobody remembers. So, you know, it's not something you have as a, you know, point of comparison anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough because, like, when people like Fish go to play Donkey Kong, uh, I was just trying to include Fish and he disappeared on the way. <laughs> God damn it, Fish. <laughs> Excellent form today. There he is. He's back. I'm here. Um, I'm here. No, he was just hiding. Okay, he was just hiding. Uh, sometimes when my people like Fish go back to play like Donkey Kong Country, and I, he doesn't fall in love with it like I wanted him to, and I become very sad and despondent. Um, and I'm just like, wow, maybe, maybe you know, without the nostalgia, maybe even the best don't don't hold up over time. 
mm-hmm. if you're just as shallow as me and fish. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was a double song. Um, anyways, uh, so... I got two more. I got two more that okay. I want to bring up, and then we'll end it. Two. Epidemic, good buddy of ours, Patreon subscriber. And by the way, if you want to be one of those, head over to our Patreon page. Um, Epidemic said, mostly a case-by-case basis for me, but more often than not, the game has not aged well or plays as well as I recall. Usually the more recent example, the more palatable it is. For example, Red Dead Redemption. Looking at the game, I'm just amazed at how much they pulled out of the last 10 of console. That's a little bit grammar. Uh, gameplay is another aspect <laughs> that's of that series, uh, or that varies. I played the old NES Ninja Gaiden, and I was shocked how easy it was for me. But when I was a kid, that was some hard-as-fuck shit. And I think that's a really good point, because the main reason why I didn't like Catherine, if I'm going to be honest with you guys, is the puzzles were just... I, I, they weren't clicking with me. I didn't have the patience to deal with them. So a lot of times I rip on that game really hard, say I don't like it, it's ass. But in all actuality, if I'm being 100% honest with myself and you guys, it's because I just couldn't find the patience to deal with the puzzles. If I went back and I you know, yeah. exhibited some, a level of patience, I would probably like the game. I would probably appreciate what you guys appreciated when it came out uh, five or six years ago, or six years ago, six years ago. It doesn't matter. I could probably appreciate it, but um, I, I think that happens a lot for for people who go back and play games a second or third time. You know, a game's really difficult for you, and you're just like, you know, this game isn't that good, and then you go back and play it again, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. To be honest, Final Fantasy VII was one of those games for me. I remember this part where this point where I got stuck in the de- uh, the desert as you're supposed to be looking for a mm-hmm. specific guy. And what ended up happening was I was, you know, I was playing it when I was seven, eight years old. I get stuck in this, de- this desert and I just keep wandering through the desert and that desert is never ending. And I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go. And it pissed mm-hmm. me off so much that I was like, you know what? Fuck this game. It isn't that good. <laughs> and then it took me a little bit of time to sit down and I'm going to be honest, a strategy guide. And mm. once I, you know, got through that part, I started appreciating the game more. So I think a big you know, part of it can be controls or a lack of understanding. Difficulty. Shay just said, if I'm going to be honest, like 50 times during that soliloquy. So I'm glad that he's finally being honest with us now after years. If he can finally be 100% <laughs> honest. <laughs> well, if, if, if I can be honest, um, that's true. I did say that a lot. I'm sorry. I, did, I, just, I just love the idea that Shay's never been honest with us about Catherine until just now. And I'm just <laughs> It's He's true. Like, oh, I, mean, like, I just rip yeah. on that game. I rip on that game all the time, and I've never given you guys the reason why. You guys have never really questioned it. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting seeing how difficulty does change going back to stuff, because especially if yeah. you have continued to game over years... You're going to be better than you were first time around. And where the difficulty is in some of those old games is drastically different. Um, for example, yeah. stuff like Mario. Individual levels, 
not particularly challenging, but you have to beat the whole game in a single run. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that drastically changes your experience around the, you know, the difficulty. Um, yeah. Because you might just revisit it for 20 minutes because you died, and you're like, well, I'm not doing all that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a fun visit. Or like in Fish's case, he right. got stuck in the first world of Donkey Kong Country, and it totally turned him off from the game. And then it spawned this amazing bet where he ate a banana covered in hot sauce. So, yeah. mm-hmm. yep. And that's that's another one that I forgot about it's, that. It's kind of that's it's also got some <laughs> antiquated antiquated difficulty placement um, with yeah. the whole live system and whatnot. That just yeah, it didn't add well, anything to the experience. That one that was another one that it. it it offloaded difficulty to being able to clear huge chunks at a time because you'd have to go for like three or four levels before you could get to a save point again. Before you could save, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was just it was just weird. That, it, it that, yeah, it is weird. That's mm-hmm. the one thing I went going back to that game that I would categorize as the closest thing to a flaw because the uh, the live system, I, I don't have an issue with, but you're right, Josh. Like some areas you get into, they give you the candy save point like, two levels in and some places it's like five levels in there's no real rhyme or reason to it that that i can tell it's just sort of the way it is and until you get that way you have to do all the levels you did over again if you die and that was uh that's that's could be a little steep for people you know so Mm -hmm. of course not getting out of the first world though i mean that's just yeah no that's there's there's nothing nothing guys nothing in the games (laughs) faults Whenever that's the case. I, I hate true. those barrels, it's, it's, and I hate those bees. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like... The, that's alright, it's like the equivalent the of like... The bees? It's like It's like beating a <sighs> cuphead on expert, <sighs> but not 100%ing it. I mean... Yeah. It just, oh, get it just out happens. of here. Yeah. That's a, you know what? That's, that's going to be a poll topic in a little bit, so we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> do I, do I so suck, Josh or do I really cuphead. suck at cuphead? Did you do that one? <laughs> I love you more. That's my grumpy old man voice. Oh, we heard your grumpy old man voice earlier. But no, like one one last point on this, like kind of with like the old antiquated lives and like mechanics and stuff like that. It's interesting because I think some of those older games kind of threw in stuff that like nowadays would seem just like completely unfair because at the time, mm-hmm. that's how they made games challenging. But yeah. now we look at it and it's like, that was kind of just ridiculously unfair. But some people are okay with it and some people aren't. You look at something like the the Aladdin game for Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo, that game was ridiculously hard. And there's some ridiculously unfair things about that game. But some people are more accepting of that than others. And I think that kind of speaks well, they to get per- off on it some people yeah get off yeah exactly it. and that's where i'm leading to i think that speaks to our personality yeah. because then there are some people who will go yes, like play yeah. those ridiculous online uh uh user created games like cat mario um for example where those games are just predicated on making you die and pissing you off and putting super unfair components into your game into the game to piss you off essentially and some people get off on that myself being one of them I a lot of people too. get off on. I mean, who doesn't get off on Cat Mario? Honestly, you know, I, I, I if you don't, I don't trust you as an individual. 
fish. That's the next cosplay. He... <laughs> dog, <laughs> dog peach. Ugh. Um, it, Ew. Uh, one it, more comment. It, I think it. I think it's interesting okay. because yeah, you're right. It, oh, you know, you're fine. I was just gonna say the the way difficulty shifts out. It. I think I I talked to someone. I th- it's interesting you brought this up because I I was talking to a coworker and I I was trying to make small talk at my job, and he is more of a he's not a cat he's a casual gamer but he plays games seriously so it's weird like he'll only mm-hmm. play like a couple games a year but he plays them very intensely, um and whenever I asked him about the game he's playing he was playing like. Uh, I think for honor on the hardest difficulty. And he was like, you know, if the game's not hard, then like, what's the point? Because like, literally that's the way he views it. If it's not incredibly difficult and it's not a challenge, then there is no point to playing it because he's not there for the experience. The experience for him is like, for example, if you're like, oh, this game is a great story and it's like, but the gameplay's kind of loud. He would hate that, right? He is there mm-hmm. for a different experience. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Observation that I mean. That's yeah, fair. I, mean, I think some people just that. want to challenge themselves. Yeah, there's absolutely a place for that. That's one of the reasons I've enjoyed Celeste so much this year. It was just, you know, yeah. That game's yeah. fucking hard. Well, I mean, more, and, more for the challenge than for the story in that yes, game. Yes, that game's tough. That game's tough. And, you know, some people like to be hung upside down and tied up and gagged and whipped. You know, everyone's got their own thing. It's true. It's true. And we're going to move on from that with the last comment. I was just going to let um, that hang there. <laughs> just going to kind of dangle it in front of us. Uh, glad you put a... G- I was going to say... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I, I, love say, glad you pe- <laughs> I love M. Peach. Oh, this is the one. Yeah, this, is the, this is the comment I was telling you about. All right, this All will right. be the last one. I love M. Peach. It's not case by case for me, it's very specific. Feeling an emotional connection to the world and characters. Even if the story is lacking or the gameplay is lackluster, the game holds up because I cared about the world and characters. Look at ALTTP, I don't know what that is, and OOT, I don't know what that is. Ocarina of Time. That. Wait, what's ALTTP? A Link to the Past. A Link to the Past. Oh, yeah, A Link to the Past, yeah. Basically, the same. Jesus. Basically the same story design with a few variations, but I cared about Hyrule when I saw the old guy mourning the loss of his son lost to the dark world. I cared that the maidens were sacrificed one by one and Zelda must have been terrified. Leaving Saria behind broke my heart from the start of the game and seeing Nabooru sink below the sand made me feel helpless. I cared and wanted to save everybody. So, why don't I care about Final Fantasy VIII? Because fuck Morgan. <gasps> Boring characters that were brats at the most. I had no connection and didn't care to save anybody. Why not Tales of Vesperia? I only cared about two characters. Compared to Symphonia. <laughs> Great no, gameplay. Come on. But I didn't care Tale-tale. about the world. <laughs> Come on. The Tales games aren't real games. Let's, let's, Tales let's... games are awesome. You just don't like that they're that it's set in the same breath as Final Fantasy VIII. Let's let's call That's a spade right. a spade. That's right. Mm-hmm. But she has anchovies and then breathe on my face. <laughs> Gross. 
No, I I think she has a good point. Like it's just when you feel that emotional connection, I think this is what it boils down to, and I think we've said this before. It's it it just is what it is. Like for me, it was Final Fantasy VII, connecting with those characters when I was at a young and pivotal age. Same with Final Fantasy VIII. Same with Final Fantasy X. Those are the ones I like the most because those are the games I played, I connected with at a time of my life yeah. when I needed to connect with them. Same with Shining Force. Same with Saga Frontier. Same with probably ten other games that are probably realistically shitty, but I love them anyways. And mm. same for you guys. Yeah. Mm. Eight is interesting, because I, I agree with the whole most of the main characters are kind of basically all the same character. They're all just kind of brats, and that's, it, you know. But anyway. They're just angst incarnate. Yes. Like, they all, all of them are basically like that. They've got their own flavor of angst, but that's... But, that being said... All the secondary characters in that game are great because of their relationship to those angsty little teens. And the way they handle that is really well done. Like, going back through that and, like, you know, visiting Zell's mom and uh, the way they handle Sid and, Mm -hmm. like, all, all of that. And Renoa's dad, like, there's there's so much cool stuff going on with people's relationship to those brats that is so well done. Yeah, yeah. So you well tell done. her, Josh. You tell her. Well, but I mean, if you don't Honestly, get there, right. you don't get there. So, I'm just kidding. Yeah, tweets are. I've one thing I'm doing this podcast has taught me, and, and being as public as we are, is that when sometimes when people bash your favorite game, you have to be able to. You have to be able to just, you know, mm-hmm. take it in stride because that's it's a beautiful thing about this world. Everyone's got an and, sure. and she took the time to express her opinion. I respect that. I talked to you guys earlier about how I felt about maybe why the story connect with me because I might have been a bratty military child when I was a kid who was also emo. Yeah. No, and I still giant yeah. gun swords. And I still love that game, and, but like just the yeah, characters in that game yes. are not my favorite. I still think they're pretty lackluster but like the secondary characters i still think are really well written um in that game especially like the whole you know laguna arc and all of that sort of stuff the older characters are written much better than the younger ones in that game well i i think the point of that game i thought was always to see a bunch of characters grow because they're much different toward the end of the game than they are at the beginning hypothetically yeah that's that's true yeah they do eventually get there but it, it takes quite yes, some time there's value in seeing the main characters in relationship to other characters mm-hmm. so like spider-man he's kind of not the most interesting character in the world but the game is sort of about him, peter parker in relation to other people in his life vice versa so yeah mm-hmm. yeah i for final fantasy 8 and this is the last thing i'll say about it i wouldn't say what potentially makes it a bad game is the characters i would say like what's the heart like the biggest uphill struggle that game has for me is the draw system i couldn't stand that draw Mm. system as a kid (laughs) i learned to deal with it as an adult the more i understood it but i still think it's probably the weakest part of that game by a mile it breaks the game it completely breaks the game um it's a very it's a very breakable game it is i will give you that Yeah, yeah my first time through that game i finished it at like level 13 like it's 
you can... Which still makes me laugh to this day. Yeah. When like, Josh told me he was on the last boss, I was like, dude, Josh, you're not going to be able... And then he like, oh, I beat it. I'm like, what? Yeah. What did just, you do? Just, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting because you can break the game with the draw system, but it's not a fun way to break the game. Like, there yeah. are, you know... Well, more interesting well, ways kid, to accomplish the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And when I was a kid, I think breaking it was almost fun because, you know, I was like 15 years old. So I'm like, oh, the island of heaven and hell and drawing all these weird things and using summons. And like, you know, you're mm-hmm. breaking it was not something I'd look at with a very critical eye. But now as an adult, you know, I haven't played that game in a long time for that reason. Still love it. I still would love the probably a lot of things about it. And the nostalgia would be there. But I agree. It's the most breakable of all the Final Fantasies. Yeah. That I played. Yeah, I think Which so. Which could be a cool thing, depending on your perspective, I guess. Do you like to break things? Do you like to exploit things? Mm-hmm. I like to exploit fish, that's for sure. Um, he's my... Uh, and if you like to see all the dirty, nasty ways we exploit fish, you should sign up for our Patreon. That's right, we have a VIP Patreon page. Patreon.com slash swordchomp. And uh, if you... Any donation is much appreciated, but we have a $5 tier. All sorts of behind-the-scenes videos, pictures, all sorts of funny stuff. Um, we had the funniest uh, racing video that I'm going to put up tomorrow, last night, because um, me and Fish played like a couple hours of Forza Horizon 4, because it's only $10 right now on uh, Game Pass. So it's kind of hard to pass that up. But it was funny, because Fish, we, we did a, a challenge, we challenged each other. And Fish was ahead of me. He was going to win this little race, right? And Fish had me beat. And he goes to hit the final corner. And he just flies out into the grass, spins way out there, and then flies back in behind the finish line. And I just gently cruised across it. And uh, it was a very Fish kind of moment. It wasn't quite Fish jumping out of the boat like in Sea of Thieves. But it was... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was that was so great. That's <laughs> we, that was just you know, the best uh, best gaming moment we gotta add possibly ever. We gotta yeah we gotta <laughs> yeah. if we don't I can't remember and I'm sure I'm gonna get shit for this. If we don't have best gaming moment in our end of the year, <laughs> talk, we always do. Yeah, we do. Okay, good because that's like I'm I'm calling it now. That's gonna take the cake. And it's not even like <laughs> I think so. <laughs> like we could just call it now, I mean, save some time. For... For some of our new listeners, basically Fish had never played Sea of Thieves before. He got excited. He jumped off the boat with us, but he was supposed to be piloting the boat. And, uh, yeah, we looked back to see. We had the treasure, and we were ready to go, but the boat was, like, doing this. He left the wheel, like, turned hard starboard. It was just going in this giant circle. It was was great. Mm. It was great. (laughs) Crashed. That was, I got it on video, too, so if you want to find it, it's on our instagram page if you go dig for it um yep good stuff but that's good times yeah yep. polls uh, now but telltale so we had yeah we had two polls this week that were kind of interesting because they were both revolving around telltale i know shay was excited to talk about telltale okay i'm sorry i'll let that die um so basically yes, yeah telltale please. went out of business and it's sad they uh I guess what is it? They filed for bankruptcy. Is that is that how it goes? They've closed down. So what uh, what ended up happening for anyone that doesn't know is they were you know they had their crew of like two hundred and seventy plus people. I think it's two hundred seventy five roughly, and they they were they were in the process of making season four. They're almost finished of uh, the Walking Dead. They were working on the sequel to Wolf Among Us, and 
some of the investors started pulling out. They, you know, of course, panicked a little bit. Uh, more investors pulled out. Okay. All of the investors pulled out. So the money that they had for basically making these games was dependent on these investors signing on to keep making games. They basically had run the funds up right to the day. So like these these investors, they were relying on them. The investors pulled out. So they basically came out of the meeting, went into the office saying, look, this is what this is what happened. You guys have basically 30 minutes to get out, get your things and get out of the office because we can't pay you. And your health insurance runs out at the end of the month. And they had the second episode done. The third episode is almost done. The fourth episode is fairly close to being done. And they just left that on the table. And they said this to 250 people. 250 people lost their job that way. Um, you know, it's it's unfortunate that because I think, you know, they were they were trying to secure these funds to keep them going. Um, the way they went about everything is, you know, piss poor. Um, your opinion, like whatever your opinion is on the studio now, I understand. Uh, but now what they're trying to do, uh, I just read a recent article on it a day or two ago. Um, actually yesterday. And what they're trying to do now is Telltale is trying to encourage people to take on the crew to finish the remaining episodes of The Walking Dead. So they're trying to, you know, reach out to other studios and say, hey, can you please take these developers on so they could finish the episodes and you guys will get all the money from it. We're not trying to get money out of this. We're just trying to do right by these guys. Um, What's interesting is... Like, in theory, that sounds like, oh, that's nice. You know, they're trying to at least get these guys a job. Well, some of these people have already went out and, you know, got other jobs. Um, And it's interesting because they're trying to, like, rely on the kindness and hope that a studio will pick them up for, like, a contractual basis to basically finish these games. And then that's it. Like, granted, the, the studios would get money out of that. Uh, the money out of the remaining sales of the games, but like, who's re- like, which studio is realistically going to pick them up just to finish an IP that they never worked on in the first place? <sighs> yeah, mm. it's probably unlikely. You know, it's sad when anyone loses their job, and that's how I phrase the poll. It sucks that they lost yeah. their job um, because you know you don't want to see that in the industry at all because it's 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 a bad sign, um, right. regardless of how you feel about. Telltale's games, and that's how I phrased the poll too. I said, <clears throat> "I said uh, the Telltale situation sucks. All those jobs lost. I wish Telltale had pushed the envelope a bit more. It was always kind of the same old, same old." And it came back. Eighty-three percent of our audience, which is huge, said yes. They it's sad they lost their job, but they wish that Telltale hadn't just kind of pumped out the same thing over and over again. Do you guys agree with that? Disagree with that? Yeah, um, for the most part. I mean, they it's. It was like in spurts. It was like in spurts. Like they'd get a new idea that was really good, then do that over and over, and then they'd get another new idea to change something else about the formula, and then just do that. Like it was, yeah, yeah. I think there could have been yeah, more it's, changes it's, it's, going on there. It's difficult to know if that's why the investors pulled out. You know, mm. maybe that's may, maybe that's part of it. Um, like part of the reason why they pulled out, who knows at this point, unfortunately. And 
to be honest, I don't care why the investors pulled out. It's none of my business. It doesn't affect me directly. I feel bad, worse for the families. But if we're looking at it just from the perspective of like gameplay and stuff. If I'm being objective, yeah. Yeah, they should have pushed the envelope a little bit more. Um, you know, each through each season of The Walking Dead, they started doing more and slightly different things. But to me, it, I relate it to Pokemon. Pokemon has made small changes throughout all their games, and they've integrated them into their games. But largely, Pokemon is still the same game it was when it first started. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a formula we all love. It's a simple formula, but it is a formula that has largely stayed the same. I kind of feel like Telltale was going along those lines of trying to, you know, do the same thing, but add little, little extras to them. But unfortunately, with the genre that they're in and what they were going for, I think that they needed to try something different. Um, In the last season, um, which I won't go into too much detail, they actually started integrating some more combat-based scenarios. Like, uh, there are multiple sequences in there where basically you are surrounded by multiple zombies and you basically have to figure out how to, like, whether you disarm some of the zombies, like kick them in the leg to temporarily wound them, or stab them in the skull and kill them. The The problem with that is if you're being over overwhelmed, if you try and stab one, one's going to come up behind you and eat you. So they were trying to integrate some of that stuff. Um, it felt a little clunky, and I just felt like it was like too little too late type of scenario yeah. where basically a last they just didn't well and to enough. be honest with you to be mm-hmm. honest with you Shay and this is no offense to you because I know you love those Walking Dead games but you're like the only person I know that uh, Josh occasionally harps on the original Walking Dead and like Wolf Among Us but Shay is like literally the only person I know that still gets excited about Telltale games to a degree and I really was when they came out with Game of Thrones I was like I was telling everyone I was like look this is a match made in heaven these are the this is the exact company that should make a Game of Thrones game. And Game of Thrones is my biggest nerd obsession. Um, but the episodic way those games were released just burned me out. I beat the game in a day, really enjoyed it, and then I was like, oh, wait two months to play the other chapter or whatever it was, and by then I lost interest. Like, the episodic shit for that sort of a game that I can beat in two hours just never had appealed to me. Um, so I don't yeah. know. Like I, yeah. I, think, I think you're right. I, I, I think they realize... Again, they realized that too little too late because the way this this season yeah. was going to come out was once a month. Like, so they released the first episode mm-hmm, in bastard. September. Yeah. They released the second episode. No, sorry. Yeah, in September. They released the second episode at the very end of September, very beginning of October, actually. Sorry. Um, they were going to be releasing one November 6th and then the final one in December. So I think they realized that, you know, yeah. we got to start releasing these sooner, but um, obviously it was a little too late. I don't think the problem with the Game of Thrones one, this is a little tangential, was the way it was released. I think it was like the actual choices and the content of the game, because uh, like with Telltale, or sorry, like with The Walking Dead, when you make choices, you have many different outcomes. And that's been what's like the shining, the shining light in this series, is you really do get vastly different endings dependent on the choices you make. So it sometimes gets kind of narrowed down. You look at the end of season one, the end of season two, but they started to broaden that scope in season three and season four. 
with Game of Thrones, you basically had one of two or three different outcomes, and that was it. And I think that was kind of that problem. But I also agree with you, Morgan. I think it's like how long they were waiting to release episodes. And what they were trying to do is like span it out enough to where they keep the, the people engaged, but they can expand it long enough to give themselves more time, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. I think what happened with the studio is I think they kind of just really spread themselves too thin because I remember there was a point where they were working on The Walking Dead, the, that Batman series. They were working on, uh, what was it? Uh, Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy. They were working on Minecraft. They were working on Wolf Among Us. They were just working on all these different um, games at once that some of the games were just taking so long to get new episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were just doing kind of the same kind of game. You know, like, if you're going to get one of those kind of games, you can get a higher production value game from, I hate to say it, but something like Detroit. <laughs> like, I f- at least I finished Detroit, you know what I mean? Like, I, I it just, it's, it's, fr- it's right. frustrating. You're, it's fr- you're saying that they're slapping different them, skins on, on, on the games, basically, and I yes, agree that's a, with that. That's what it feels like. I don't, I don't like to... I, I know game design is very difficult, so I'd hate to look at one of those designers who spends tons of their life creating these games and say that to them, but that's how it feels. It feels like they're just slapping different skin on the same scale. It, it, it largely felt like that, and that's why I honestly didn't play any of the other games, because I knew they were largely the same. When I played the Game of Thrones, I was like, this feels pretty much just like The Walking Dead, just characters I like from a different series. So I'm just going to stick with Walking yeah. Dead. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you really love Borderlands? Well, then maybe you'll like Tales for the Borderlands. I was like, yeah, I played like two hours from that. It was whatever, you know? So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough. But I wasn't trying to be an asshole and like spite the Telltale situation when I made this next poll. I was just thinking about it, and I thought for sure I would get crushed on this like I have been in the, in the past. And I was surprised because I was like, Man, Heavy Rain came out in 2010, yet Walking Dead came out in 2012 and seems to get credited for this whole adventure game revival. Um, but shouldn't Heavy Rain get credited for that? And uh, yeah. it came back 50, yeah. 50%. Heavy Rain would have to be good for, uh, for that to be the case. <sighs> Josh, you liked it a lot. I remember you originally playing Heavy Rain and liking it a lot. Yeah, you did oh. like it, Josh. I remember that. We have audio yeah. evidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have we have audio evidence. Of it the, was better no. than it got a lot of crap for, but it's still not a good game. Oh, God. well, according to Josh's mm-hmm. motto, maybe it doesn't hold up. Therefore, it's not a good game. Yeah, <laughs> but I would I would just I would say that it was influential, uh, like because they were willing to put all that money and production value behind it, and so many people I know played that game. It was polarizing. And maybe it doesn't hold up well to some people, <laughs> but I mean, look at it, it. If you look at those Telltale games, they're kind of the same thing. Like the way decisions play out, like they're structured. Other than being episodic, like they play the way you move the character around, the interact with the environment, have the, the speed in which you have to make a decision. Like very reminiscent of that style of adventure game to me. Yeah, I I agree that Heavy Rain should get the credit for that. Um, in recent years, I think that it was the one that kind of, you know, made people realize, oh, we can make games that have choices like choose your own adventure. However, Telltale, they have the benefit of the name The Walking Dead, 
whereas Heavy Rain doesn't have that already pre-established name attached to it. They had the benefit of putting Batman on there. They had the benefit of putting Borderlands name on yeah. there. Yeah. They, they had the benefit of putting Game of Thrones on there. And they still went out of business. How the hell did that happen? They slapped Batman well, and The Walking just... Dead on their games and they... God, that's crazy. It's, well, yeah. I mean, like, that's a discussion for another day. It's... But... Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, I think that the the heavy like heavy rain was like I don't I don't know if pioneers accurate. I don't I don't feel comfortable saying that. But it may it <clears throat> put those games on the map for the console, and then Telltale kind of widened the scope on what they can do. Essentially, is the way I would view it. What? They made it. Yeah, they pandered yeah. to a broader audience by using some established. Um, names such as Walking Dead or Batman yeah. or whatever. One yeah. I will. With. I will give you that Heavy Rain kind of decided that adventure games are now just you know movies made by people who couldn't actually get hired to make a movie. Um, as a, <laughs> as a sort of genre. Choose uh, your own adventure movies. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, they're not really gosh. adventure games. Like they're really not. Like I don't know well, what they different. are. They're yeah. but they're not adventure games. Well, those I mean, those are also seeing a revival. But th- like, yeah, this idea that they're the same thing just because there's dialogue trees is. Well, they're a style of adventure game, but I know what you mean, Josh. They're not like Monkey Island or something <sighs> like that. I, th- I, I don't know. I referring to. I feel like I don't. I don't entirely agree with that. I feel like it could be a subgenre. Like we have subgenres of music. You look at something like metal. There are tons of subgenres, and some people like those elitists argue, "Well, this isn't true metal." But like at the end of the day, it has the the components for being a metal band. And I feel like yeah. that's the same. Is with- it big? Is it dumb? It's metal. So, <laughs> but yeah. I feel Josh, like did you go? I feel like that's the same <laughs> oh, case sorry. here. That's like like this. Ca- mm-hmm. I think Heavy Rain He's can sub-genre. be still yes. considered an adventure game. To, well, I was proud of our audience because I did not expect it to come back. I did not expect a victory for David Cage. He's generally a laughing stock in the media or a, a punching bag in the media. And look, the, the last half of Detroit was a dumpster fire, but at, at least he swings for the fence with high production values. And he, what if what if Telltale had made just like three games, but they had put so much effort and time and polish into those three games? Then it could have been a different story. You know what I mean? And I think there's value in in being ambitious. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it's fruitless to kind of speculate at this point what actually went down. Like, you have you have disgruntled former employees, and as every right they should, um, talking about how the conditions when they were working were fucking terrible, and they had to work super long hours, and what have you, to meet deadlines. Um, you can talk about how Telltale is poorly managed, running their money right up to the point where um, they're waiting for investors to say, hey, we'll give you more money. Um, y- you, could con- you could attribute it to, you know, like them not deviating from their formula. Who knows? Like, maybe it's all those factors and three others we don't even know about that attributed yes. to them closing I- down. So I think it's I think it's just an, a pointless endeavor to kind of speculate at this point. It's like we said in the beginning to bring it full circle. It's unfortunate what happened to the employees, and it fucking sucks that we're not going to get the ending to this the series. 
I would say to that point, Shay, maybe I respectfully disagree whether it's fruitless or not, as I'm holding these big juicy fruits in my hand, and I'm looking at them, and they're delicious. Um, I would say that if you're making a Those game... Those are cabbages. And an event- oh, damn. Oh, I love cabbage. <laughs> I guess... Have you ever had like boiled steamed cabbage with some Swedish meatballs and this? It's actually that's like, actually like a, a, a uh, that's an appetizer in Japan. A lot of people eat steamed that. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I just think that if your if your business situation is such that an investor can pull out, um, and before a game is even finished, and it causes a sort of issue where people are hot, f- fired thirty minutes later, there could have been, it could have been like a thirty eight studio situation where there's some bad business management going on in between, and maybe they didn't have a choice. Maybe they just didn't have the money to to be able to do that. But you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to start a game and not be able to finish it. When you start that game, you should be able to fund the whole damn thing. In theory, I would think that's mind boggling to me. That's just strange. Um, but, I agree, and. The, the other the other alarming thing is they actually and we didn't mention this um not to keep bringing this up they hired someone who moved to be at Telltale Studio like relocated within the, oh, a yeah. week before they closed yeah. down like that's fact I mean that doesn't paint a good picture for them so how does that that shouldn't yeah that should not happen that should be impossible you know that's sh- I don't know I don't know but. <sighs> Um, do you want me to save talking about The Walking Dead final season for now or later? Oh, I think, uh, if, yeah, I think this is a good time because you played the second episode and you were just, you're disgruntled, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I played, (laughs) yeah, I played both of them and like, like I said, like I talked about, they added some new elements, like they added that, um, they added that combat scenario into the into the episodes which is interesting it was if it had been executed a little bit better i think i would have liked it better but for the games being what they were it was a welcome addition for me i'm sure a lot of people will disagree um they added a little bit of and i don't know why they did this they added a little bit of collecting elements to it where you can find collectibles hidden throughout the throughout the certain areas when like you're searching for clues about what to do next type of thing. But they're like, they're super easy collectibles to find. So I I didn't really entirely understand what they were going for, but it was interesting. Um, The, the story, the story I'm conflicted on it because what they were going for is basically the 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 whole setup at this point is um Clementine uh, and AJ which if you guys don't know AJ is a child she ends up taking care of Clementine's almost an adult at this point uh you know they're traveling along and they um they're looking for food essentially and they go to this train yard area they get um ambushed by someone and knocked out and basically they wake up at this school with a bunch of children, like their age and younger and whatnot, or maybe a little bit older as well. And only children live there. And basically you're playing out with this dynamic of trying to be, trying to get them to accept you. And um, then you guys got to start kind of looking for food together and learning how to survive. So. 
The first three seasons are largely dependent on it being a survival game. Like you are surviving from the zombies. Season four starts to become what the TV show has become, which is like drama between characters. And it was like, it was like Breakfast Club meets Walking Dead to me in a way. Maybe that's not the best comparison. It's just like you're you're hanging out with all these angsty children and you got to figure out which one you want to pick to help and teenagers or children children when you say children like teenagers teenagers and children both okay okay and okay weird okay so it was the lost boys yeah yeah that's probably more fair not breakfast club (laughs) but the lost boys yeah um and i don't like there's some really big highs in that in that game because like there's some really big moral choices you have to make and you have some really good dialogue with some characters and it makes you kind of reflect. I think the biggest dynamic and the best dynamic of what they did with the first two episodes is basically you have to parent a child through the eyes of another child. And Mm -hmm. it's something that like becomes this really interesting dynamic because you've played with or as Clementine throughout the first three seasons, you've seen the, this character's growth and it's incredible. And then basically you've helped shaped, you've helped shape who Clementine has become. And now you have to take that influence of who she has become and influence another child with the child you influenced. And it's just this interesting, interesting dynamic that I've never, ever. Yeah had in a game and yeah it's it's interesting because there's some things that happen in the game with the child that i won't i won't give away i won't do any spoilers here but just you see the consequences of your actions of what you're you're filling this young child's head with immediately whereas clementine was a character that developed over three games essentially you see the the shaping of this child that she's taking care of immediately. And that's what makes this game work so well in this season. Mm. It's like, you feel the pressure immediately. You don't, you don't see it. Like you said something season one to Clementine and season three, she's repeating it and she's acting upon it. You're saying something to this child as Clementine in episode one, and it happens in episode one. So you feel like the dire consequences right off the bat. Well, I'm, the only thing I'm confused about is you said season three and four, and then you said episode. So I'm confused. What's the difference between seasons oh, and episodes? I thought there was a... Sorry, I should be saying... Well, so season like season one, season two, season three, and, se- and the final season, season four. Uh, if I've been interchanging those, I apologize. And then there are episodes within those seasons, obviously, like a TV show. So if I, if okay. I mix that up, I apologize. That's my fault. So there, there are four playable seasons of this game right now? Uh, there are three fully said... playable seasons, and the final season, which is season four, uh, the first two episodes are out, which are the ones I just played. And the final two episodes of oh, season weird. four um, haven't been finished, and that's what we were talking about earlier. Again, that's probably part of the problem, because st- I'm actually confused by even the things that you're saying. Like, so the, each season has how I don't know how, how you're episodes. confused. It's like a, it's exactly uh, like a TV show, dude. I don't know how, how you're okay, confused. Okay, when do they when do they release? I thought they released the episodes separately, but it sounds like they released the season. Okay, how many seasons are there? 
Four, right? Okay. Yes. So how many how many episodes are in a season? Uh usually five or four. Depending on the season. Okay. And when did they release the first season? Two thousand and twelve. You know you did the poll. You know this. Well, I thought that was the whole first game, though. I would have thought that would have been all four episodes. Uh, that's so, okay. So that was season one. Right. When was season two right. released? Um, two thousand and fourteen. If I think. Okay. I so, right. so so there was two years. So what I was thinking was that there was just two sets of The Walking Dead. Like there was the first game that came out in twenty twelve. And there was four episodes in that. And then this, I thought this was the second season, the sequel people have been waiting for for years and years. And it had four episodes in that, and they only finished two of them. But it no, sounds like it's no. been like an every couple of years thing. So Every two years a season. Okay, that's... I guess that makes a little more sense. I just wanted to... I was trying to understand... You know, there's probably people listening to this that probably don't understand what the hell he's talking about either. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. It's like a TV show. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you for You're doing welcome. that. Fish knows. Fish Wait, you were confused too, Fish? Me. No, I wasn't. I'm not that stupid. Or am I? <laughs> Fish can just pretend he wasn't confused, and he's just and no one would know. I mean. Mm-hmm. Don't admit to it unless you have to, Fish. You don't ever have to play the stupid card unless you're okay. trapped. Nah, Fish, right. Fish knew. Right. Fish is smart enough. Give him the credit mm-hmm. he's deserved. I deserve it. He does. Wasn't Fish the one that said this world would be better without that piece of shit game? The Walking Dead? I'm pretty sure that's it. Oh, no, wait. That was the, the other game. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was, the other zombie yeah. game. Uh, that was yeah. some other dude, I think. You're thinking of. Yeah, we still got to schedule that, by sure. the way. But anyways. anyways uh, so, moving moving on from that, it's... It's hard because they leave they leave the second episode on such a cliffhanger, and now we never know if basically that we will it'll get finished, you know. Yeah, and like that sucks. Let's I, for a second for a second to anyone who like is like yeah, but there's fucking two hundred fifty people who lost their jobs. I know that. I hundred percent acknowledge that. I feel very bad for the people that that happened. Don't think I'm discrediting that. But at the same time, I can be upset about two things at once. Um, I'm equally as upset that this series won't be finished. Um, Whether you agree or disagree with with me on that fact, that's fine. I don't really care. Um, What I do care about is (laughs) I've stuck stuck with this, this, uh, this whole arc for for six years now and yeah okay and um <laughs> I've stu- you know i i've stuck with it for six years and just basically for it to get to the point where you know there may never be a conclusion right when you almost have a conclusion is just it's super difficult it it, it sucks like imagine Imagine if, you know, Final Fantasy VIII, you didn't get to kill Ultimicia at the end. And you didn't get to have your, like, final, final send-off with a c- Cypher. You know, like, 
You didn't get to have that last well, battle. Yeah. Like imagine, imagine it in that. Once, like a normal. Imagine person. it in that context. Well, let's. This is just for hypothetical. Hypothetical, more. I know. I know it's. All I, I, I think it's compared to Game of Thrones. What if George R. R. Martin died and we never got the last? There book? you go. There you I go. I would mourn there you his go. He death. He never finished the last book. You could just assume everyone dies and call it a day. No. Oh, when you assume Josh, an ass of you and this me. is not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I Have think it can be bullshit because they they are creating art and you are enjoying it and supporting them and they are not finishing the art. You have the right to be frustrated by it. They created the art to invest you as a human, engage you, and move you, and they're not going to finish it. It looks like you have the right. It is both. It can be both. It should be both. Yeah, yeah. It's. It's just frustrating, man. I want to know how this ends. And because of whatever happened, happened. Unfortunately, the the people who are invested in this series, if it's only three of us or three million, I don't know. I don't care. Uh, we, we never get to know what happens, you know? It, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. It fucking sucks. And it's hard to say, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'm like, That's part awesome. of me, part of me after I finished the second episode, I just sat there and I was like, Great. Now I want to fucking know what happens and I don't get to know and I kind of regret playing the last season. Like, mm-hmm. I could have ended it at season three. Never played it. Season four, the final season, even though I paid the money for it, I paid for the season pass, and I could be okay with that. Like, because it kind of ends at a point where technically you could just accept it for what it is. But, no, my fucking stupid ass had to, you know, <laughs> keep playing it. So now I don't get to know. Yeah. Well, it's a bummer. Old thing's a bummer. Um. Well, I hope they enjoyed our uh, telltale minute there. Um. <laughs> lot to say. Two of the polls this week. Very pat. Shea is the one person here who really cares about yeah. those games. So we'll have another minute for you in a couple months. Yeah. They'll. Thank fi- you. They might find a way Thank to you. get it released. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, the the other poll I had that I thought was interesting was basically, uh, Fish, I want to get your opinion on this because I know you've been kind of quiet over there. Um, How do you feel about uh, achievements and stuff, Fish? Because how about this, Fish? Have you ever gotten a platinum on a PS4 game before? Let's start there. No. Okay. Why not? Um, Lack of skill. <laughs> that, that is true, Josh. I lack skills, um, oh, but also on. because I don't want to invest that much. The last time I really got into achievements was the actual achievement system in the on the Xbox 360, and that mm-hmm. was just in the 360 era, not in the Xbox One because I, I hate the Xbox One. But back in back in the 360 was out. Okay. Uh the three sixty had I don't know, it was it was a new thing, I believe. Like mm-hmm. the PS three had the trophies, but I didn't have a PS three at the time. I was I had the three sixty, so th- those were new things and it was a new thing um that was outside of the game but was developed with the game in mind and they created new challenges for the games that uh I didn't think I'd and they were interesting challenges too, like like um go through the game without dying. Like I wouldn't have tried that in certain games, but since that achievement was there, I was like, well, 
that sounds like something I can strive for, a, a little goal to give myself to actually do in this game, and it could be fun, and it was mm-hmm. fun for me. So that was the only time when I would, you know, get the full thousand score, I think it was, for games back then. I think they all had, like, a thousand, then they started, like, changing that around and giving them more different values of points. I think, like, indie games had, like, 200 achievement points that you can earn from them and then then as time went on like that that totally changed but um yeah that that was the only time when i really was into achievements was in the xbox 360 era and then when i finally got a ps3 i didn't really care much to get trophies because those were a little convoluted and trophies weren't as cool as a gamer score to me back then so that's why i don't have a platinum trophy morgan but why? Why? What's? Why is the? Well, I I like your point though. Like you said, uh, when it first because... came out, it was. Well, okay, <laughs> go ahead. I see. Well, tell me more. Tell me more. No, go ahead. Well, it sounded like what you're saying was when they first came out, it was a fun and interesting thing. But then you just sort of the newness of it, it kind of pushing you to play games differently. But now it's just sort of like you don't really have time for that shit. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have time for that shit. Hmm. But haven't you ever loved a game? Even Destiny One. Did you platinum Destiny? No, of course wow. not. That's fascinating. So interesting. interesting. Is it? Uh, is it really fascinating that I didn't yes. platinum my favorite you played game? The, yeah, yes, it's yeah, it, still my fucking favorite game. Well, having a having a platinum trophy doesn't like validate that it's my favorite game to me. I can tell is, you how much I love that game. If I showed you just a platinum trophy, would you be like equally impressed? Like, oh, this guy really loves this game. I, I, well, the reason I did the poll was because 63% of our audience said that they love getting trophies and achievements. And I found, I found that interesting because I personally don't, I've never gotten one either. I've never gotten a platinum trophy. And, uh, those people have more time on their hand or they're actually seeking those trophies out. See, I don't yes. see. I, I don't seek out those trophies. I don't look up any guides or anything when I play a game. I just want to. You love a game, don't you? Want to see all the cool ways you can play it and all the achievements you can get or trophies? Mm, well, okay. This year, Monster Hunter. I fucking love that game, but I don't want to go through the trophies because the trophies are a fucking grind. Yes, like, I agree. I agree. A lot of them are pain in the ass. And I put 200 hours into that game, and like I didn't get all the trophies. So it's yeah. like, there, there's no point for me mm-hmm. to really grind out fucking trophies. Like it's it's almost like uh, if I was to measure my cock and and show you <laughs> oh, that measurement, Morgan. Here we go. Uh huh. Show you it and be like. Where do you where do you stack up to this, Morgan? And you show me yours, and it comes out short. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I I guess I got more trophies than you. I must be a better man than you. So what that's, you're saying that, is that's how I see a trophies. bigger penis doesn't matter. God it doesn't matter. <laughs> God it bless doesn't you. matter. You're right. It's a you're it's right. a story behind the penis that counts. <laughs> That might be my my. If your favorite. penis is a whole story, I think it's plenty big. Like yeah. you're you're really don't measure at that point. Uh, fish that might be the best metaphor you've <laughs> ever had. You know, um, it's yeah, I agree. I don't get it. I, there's a disconnect for me, Josh. How do you feel about this stuff? Um, 
it depends. Most of them are nonsense. They're just a waste of time. Um, and then some of them are essentially gimmies. I platinum Spider-Man basically by accident. I got to the end. I was missing two. They were both just hidden achievements that I looked up, and they were just to go somewhere in the city and stand there. Oh, like a grave or something? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, okay, I'll go walk to these two places just so I can say I got the platinum achievement. Yeah. But I thought it was strange because it was like I was not doing anything really special to get those. And so it's really unbalanced because some games are super easy, it seems Mm -hmm. like, and some are hard. So like, how does the trophy have that much value when they're all different? It's drastically different from one to another. And it's not even necessarily difficulty a lot of times can just be huge amounts of wastes of time like you were saying with monster hunter like why why would you grind out some of that stuff just for an achievement i will say that playstation has this new thing where like you get a very small amount of i think playstation store credit when you platinum a game which is pretty insane have you guys read about that Mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah yeah it's a very it's a minuscule amount i can get the details um but basically I think that's cool in theory. It's just such a pathetically small amount. It's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it would, yeah. you know, but the well, idea, and I think that having a trophy sounds cooler than a, a the, whatever the thousand yeah. gamer score thing. That's just a number. I think. Yeah. Like, I, when, the, when they added the rarity to the different trophies that you got in the PlayStation uh, network, uh, that's when I, I started noticing them and actually looking at them like, Every once in a while, like, I'll get, like, a silver or gold trophy. I'll be like, oh, I wonder how many people out in the world playing this game has this game. And you can look up the rarity of how many people playing the game at that moment um, have actually achieved that trophy, which I find cool. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I I still feel like my life has gotten better since I turned off all the achievement notifications on PS4. I I should do that. Just turn it off so I don't know. Like, I'll finish playing and see which ones I got. Because they just pop up in the middle of cutscenes and stuff. You finished a chapter. Hooray! Like, yeah, some of them, yeah. Yeah. um, Well, and that's the thing. I even, I'm going to, I would like, just for the sake of doing it, I would like to, one game this year, I'm going to either platinum or 100%, just so I can say I've done it because I've never done it. And I want to know what it it feels like. But I agree with you guys. Like, in the business we're in, or at least I'm in, I'm only going to speak for myself. I just don't have time to just do... Like, I think to get the No Man's Sky Platinum, you actually have to get to the center of the galaxy on permadeath, and it's just like, I yeah. just don't have time for that. Yeah, like, that's insane. you gotta do, like, several runs to get all the trophies on No Man's Sky. And it's, like, and, and, hundreds of and hours then, for each of yeah. them. Like, really? You expect me to put a thousand hours into this game to get all the trophies? Really? That's that's yeah. what you're asking of me? Yeah, and, and the Xbox thing of just... The gamer score, I know people are looking at the totals, but I think it just having a trophy sounds cooler. Like, I'd rather say I got the platinum trophy. That sounds cooler if I was going to do it. Um, unfortunately, that's just the, the way it is. So, mm. I, I've never done it before. I'd like to try it, see how it feels. And on to before Shay says anything about the whole Cuphead bet that I lost. The only reason I didn't really get into that was because I felt like you had to play the game in weird, strange ways. That I, Like, the pacifist run. Like, why would I want to run through all these levels? Without shooting a bullet, like that's—I mean, I'm not a psychopath. Why would why would I, why would anyone do that? There's no logical reason to do that unless you're a crazy person. Technically, Shay? crazy people shoot their bullets. 
Yeah. At furry little animals. Hmm. You psychopath. Yeah. Yeah, it's the crazy people who don't shoot things. Yeah. I, I understand. That's true, Morgan. actually. Wow. There's a whole mm. deeper meaning there that I totally missed. Man. <laughs> I'm surprised I, you didn't catch it with the trophy title of pacifist. Hmm. No, no, I get that. I just, uh, <laughs> it, I, if a game asks you to play something really unnaturally, like, I just think that's, like, you're either going to look at that two ways. It's a fun challenge with what the game gives you, or I would never play the game like this. Why the hell is this here? So, I mean, it's an endless debate, but that's just the way my brain split on it. But I'd like to get one. Fit, Shay, have you ever uh, platinumed a game before? Um, <laughs> I, I've done it a lot on the Xbox when I was... I've done it a lot on Xbox. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. There. That's not a platinum, though. Listen here, that's bitch. Same same <laughs> We're not same about semantics. Oh. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. You nah, missed it, Shay. When you were in the bathroom, Fish had the best metaphor of his whole life. But you have to listen to it later. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But it was crazy. Okay. No, no worries. No worries. <laughs> I'm excited. I don't think it was crazy. Uh, it's crazy. No, there's a few games that actually I, I didn't 100% that actually still bother me to this day because I'm missing like mm. one or two achievements. Like uh, the first Dead Rising, mm. there's a run you have to do in there where you have to play for 16 hours straight. And I just could never bring myself to do that. Like I could never bring myself to sit down, make a strategy to actually get this achievement, but it still bothers me to this day. But Can't you just leave it running? Hours? No, because um, you're in a mode where basically it's you will die. The... You have to keep eating food. Oh, oh. You can just... Ugh. I mean, you can put it down for 20 minutes, but you have to come back every 20 minutes, essentially. They're not sadists, <laughs> but... See what I mean? Like, what the hell? It has nothing to do with the game at all. It's just ridiculous. Right, ugh. right. I, like, nowadays, I don't, don't care cheat. as much. I don't care as much as I used to, but because um, I used to be super fervent about 100%ing any game I played. Uh, now oh, I don't. Okay. I just don't care as much. Uh, I have other things I want to focus my time and energy on rather than an arbitrary score that means nothing. But if it's a game I love enough, I will go 100% it still, or I will at least aspire to do so, uh, even if I mm-hmm. have to play a little bit unnaturally. Uh, for me, it's it's a way of kind of like broadening my mind and figuring out different strategies. So for a game like Super Meat Boy, which I 100%ed, um, part humble brag, part just to show the love and affinity I had for that game, it was fucking excruciating. But it caused me to develop new strategies and to get really fucking good at that game. And... um you know, I, I felt rewarded after 100%ing that game. And, because I love that game enough yeah. to where I wanted to put the time and energy into it to get that good. So, And see, I, that's cool. I wish I loved a game. And I love a lot of games, but I wish I loved a game in that way where I was like, I want 100% this. Like, I was giving fish shit when you were gone, Shay, because he, he didn't even get a platinum for Destiny. And he played Destiny for billions of hours. You know what I mean? Because that's, it's just interesting, I think. Yeah, I think so. like I think what what you're talking about earlier, um, in effect, it's kind of the same scenario for you. You figure out a certain style you like to play as, and you're most comfortable with, and you keep playing as that. 
I know a lot of times, like in the past when I've played D&D or I've played RPG style games, I kind of default to a certain play style. Um, you know, if I'm playing a game like Skyrim or, or any of the Elder Scrolls game, really, I kind of default back to a guy who likes to use bow and arrow because I don't like to like hack and slash and directly get into the line of fire. So that's where I focus most of my my uh, combat on, like, and what I put my yeah, skills yeah. into. And I think it's that's my playing style. I think it's kind of the same for certain people when they play certain games. So for like Fish when he plays Destiny, there's a certain play style that he's developed, and that's what he's most comfortable with. Does he want to take the time to you know to get the achievements or trophies or whatever by like learning a new play style and developing that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know, but that's a lot of time and energy you have to put into doing that. So I understand the, the want to not do that. Um, but for me, you know what fish is for me, if I love something enough, I just want to well, make myself more well-rounded and well-versed into what I enjoy. So for me, that's just my, that's my play. Like my, I guess, ideology, so to speak. Maybe it's a generational thing because Shay's a little younger than us. And, and this poll came back 63% people saying, yes, they love these trophies. So maybe it's just like a, a newer generational kind of thing that we're, I'm just missing. Yeah, the cause, cause we're not in the same generation. You're right. Well, I, I just mean that <laughs> it seems to be more of a cultural thing now for people to like show their tra their platinums off on social media or stream it. You know, I just feel like it's a different kind of, the culture is a little I don't more conducive to that. I don't think generation. I don't think it's culture either. I think it's personality driven. Uh, I don't okay. think generation well, is accurate. Well, I'm just saying I'm an old man. I don't have time for this shit. These kids these well, days, Shay. These that. young kids, they got time for it. All right, so generation. I, that. Agree. I don't have time for that. Right. Yeah. Well, you're more studious than most young people are not professors like you are. Um, it's true. It's true. They don't want to sit there and study. They just want does. to fucking go, 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 and bang each other all the time, and then just post about their uh, the best life in Instagram. They just want to fuck fervently forever. They just want to just want to fuck all the time. They just want to post up their fucking selfies, and they want to just post about their food, and they just want to post about where they travel to, but then they never experience the culture. Ugh, I went to London. Yeah, but did you go to a soccer game? Fuck no, you didn't. Ugh, look at me, I went to Japan. But yeah, did you go sit down in a Buddhist temple and pray for the fucking earth that you're destroying? No! You didn't do any of that. You just want to fuck all the time. The you know what? Whoa! Uh, that was a nice rant. I like that. Um, we're going to fly through these last two polls a little more quickly because this show has been a weird one and uh, I'm endangered of losing it off, it going off the rails. So last two polls. Fish, because we got you all woken up now. Um, boom! The Rotten Tomato score for Venom, as we predicted, is awful. And yeah, what rails? Ooh. I know. I'm gonna, we need to do some rails. Um... I'm all out of rails. Uh, so, sure. <laughs> I'm out of rails, Josh. That's the problem. No, uh, so Fish, the Rotten Tomato score for Venom, the highly anticipated Tom Hardy superhero flick that's making tons of money from what I was reading, is at 30% positive from critics, 88% positive from viewers. What's your wow. hot take? My hot take? Uh, I don't know. Great like, hot was, take. Uh, Boom. 
honestly, like, I was hoping that movie would be, like, I guess a, a, a great movie that, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> 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 well, be uh, honest. What did, did you even care about Venom? Was, did you think it not, was going to be good? I was hoping that the critics would love it so that I could go and see it, but the critics hate it, so I'm not in a hurry to go see it. Yeah. You were hoping that you'd, you'd hear that it was actually surprisingly amazing, and you'd be like, oh, all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, exactly. For a Marvel movie? I mean, you could, like, uh. Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, all these different Marvel movies getting, like, 90s from the critics, and then... Even the mediocre ones get like eighties. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and this one just like straight up bombed. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess the critics just have some sort of gripe against it, and the movie doesn't really do anything. Or maybe it sucks. That's true. <laughs> but eighty-eight percent of the audience loved it. Josh, are you, are you, I, I never trust I, about eighty-eight percent of people I know are fucking morons. So that sounds oh. that sounds That's like a reasonable That's all today, statistic. folks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, to Josh's point, all audiences are usually wrong unless it's our audience that voted on the yeah. polls. They're usually wrong. Exactly. Because right. we have mm. we have the smartest, most intellectual audience out there. It's true. Mm-hmm. Curated and. Ah. Uh, so next week we should poll our audience who have about, seen oh. the movie and see. I, I think most people that are running out to see Venom, like most people that are running out to see Venom on the first day are probably predisposed to like that, no matter what. I mean, objectively, yeah, that's probably, that's that's probably mm, a mm. yes. If you're yeah. there opening weekend, you're gonna say you liked yeah. it anyway. It's kind of mm-hmm. and it's got it's got to be frustrating too. Tom Hardy, those special effects, like it can't be bad. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm not gonna tell you it is. I'm just saying that might be the moral conundrum. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Nice hot take. Last poll, and this is an interesting way to close the show, uh, that you can get games now for spending like $100 and you get like the full-on bonus editions. And I basically asked people how they felt about that, paying extra money to get a game early. Um, because I personally would never do that. Like, I would, as much as Josh makes fun of me, he's like, oh, if Death Stranding was out and you could play it four days early, you'd pay anything. And I was like, well, believe it or not, that's not true. And I, was, I asked the audience, I said... Spending more money upwards of 100 bucks to play games early is kind of the grossest new trend. And it came back 83% of people said yes. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a gross new trend. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's very gross. But, I mean, business standpoint, if you got hardcore diehard fans just wait, just raging to start playing that game as soon as possible, especially if it has multiplayer, a leveling up system, and raging gives up yeah. raging hard-ons, wanting to stick their dick in straight into that disc hole as quick as possible, and then stick it into their console. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you're supposed they're, to do. They're, they're preying upon those people fucking their games. It, it is a little predatory. I mean, those people don't look at it that way, and if you have the money, you're not hurting anyone, so I'm not doing it, but right. come on, if... if if you have the money and you're that hardcore, they know people are going to pay it. And it's like, it does seem a little slimy, doesn't it? Oh, it's mm-hmm. very, it's, it's slimy of the company, but I can understand why they want to make more money. 
Because they're slimy motherfuckers. No, take a hot take, fish. Just say it's slimy, and they're a bunch of fucking corporate scumbags that want to suck you for every goddamn penny so you can play something four days earlier when it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if you played it four days earlier, it would be much more revolutionary, and it would hold up a little better. You watch your mouth. <laughs> you know what, Josh? You've convinced me. You're right. My whole life has been a lie. But I'm Maybe glad your you're nostalgia not. will be a little bit stronger if you spent sixty more dollars. <laughs> I would love to meet a human being that spent a hundred dollars to play Forza early. Like they had to play the racing game four days early. God bless you. Poor soul. Yeah, I, like he's <laughs> yeah. To me, I relate it to like when when uh, musicians charge extra money for like the VIP package to where you can meet and greet with them. It's to me, it feels a little bit disgusting that they charge that much extra in order for you to be able to meet them. Because I remember, you know, when fans would or when musicians would just come out and meet with fans and stuff. Um. The good old days, I guess. I sound like an old yeah. head as fuck right now, but I don't care. Um, and now, you know, they charge a bunch of extra money to meet and greet with them. And you can just choose to go to the concert and not pay that extra money and not meet them just as well. And part of it, yes, I'm sure is slimy, but part of it too is like, I know some of um, the very less popular bands that I like, they do that meet and greet because it's a way for them to essentially, you know, connect with their fans and they have enough money to eat while they're on the road. Because largely musicianship, like when you're traveling and touring, um, unless you are a very top dollar band, you're not making a lot of money. So you got to make your money in any way you can. And I think with video games, we've had this topic many, many times. We've discussed it um, specifically and indirectly. Video games haven't gone up in cost for years. Um, they got to figure out other ways to make money if they want to stay together as a studio. Um, so one way they can do that, I guess, is just, you know, preying on people who want to play a game a few days early. It, it feels a little scummy. Mm-hmm. feels a little disgusting. Um, I don't like it. But at the same time, if people want to give an, a company 40 extra dollars, $10 a day to play it four days early, what the fuck do I care? Let them. And, and like, hey, for a lot, me, a lot of smart business is uh, a little scummy. I'll just ignore it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just ignore it at the end of the day because it doesn't affect me. I'll still pay the $60 to play the game when it's supposed to release. I don't care. You know, like, Agreed. if yeah. other people want to pay more, let them pay more. It just, yes. And I thought, yes. Agreed. Uh, just interesting to talk about. Masmosi's polls are just sort of a lot of uh, back and forth to see where it goes. I want to thank everyone for voting. By the way, like I said, every Tuesday at Swordchomp on Instagram, you can vote. And it's been kind of a crazy show, but thanks for sticking with us. As usual, you can find some of our side podcasts into, uh, I almost said into the breach, uh, <laughs> Evoking the Sublime. Uh, as, as a podcast that Shay does where he has interviews with the developers of Into the Breach and most recently on Greg Kasavin of Supergiant Games. You don't want to miss that interview. I listened to it this week. It was great. Um, mm-hmm. I, of course, have a uh, podcast called In the Blood where I interview music composers in the industry. Most recently, 
the Cuphead composer, um, Christopher Madigan. Uh, and of course, we have our Patreon page that we jokingly um, plugged a couple times. But again, we our Patreon fans uh, mean the world to us. We have a die-hard VIP section that you can be a part of for just five dollars a month. Support independent gaming companies like Sword Chomp. Um, so we love doing this, and we'd be doing it for free. So any sort of donations we get um, are very heartwarming, and uh, they mean the world to us. Um, thanks again, again for uh, thanks again, again for joining us. Uh, I know this went off the rails, but it was a lot of fun. You know, we got some crazy fish at the end there, a little lunacy, um, and it's just gonna be a bitch to edit Josh. So I, I'm really sorry for that. Um, <laughs> but we'll be back next week with an all-new Chomp cast. <laughs>